Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Follow me on Twitter at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN, on TikTok at Hoff WFAN. Everywhere else, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman. That's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Whatever, you name it, I'm there, Instagram, I think I said that already, YouTube, Facebook, well, whatever. It's all there. Oh, check out the platforms there. Oh, WFN.com and the Odyssey app, hello. This week, it's a long, long episode. I apologize, but the discussions were just crazy. So I'm not going to get into the minutia of other things. I'll just get right into the interviews, and I'll catch up with you on other things next episode. I have Jorge Masvidal, which I did interview a little while ago, a couple weeks back, but I'm going to bring in the, I'd highlight the most important stuff. Cause again, we talked about Izzy's fight. We talked about the Super Bowl, talked about a lot of other things, but I'm going to bring back some of the other more pressing stuff for this weekend. So just in case you missed it, if you want the whole interview, you can go back. I think it's episode 57 or 58. Go back, listen to it. It's not that long ago. Um, but I'm going to bring back the, the highlights from that interview. So go check it out. Well, you'll check it out in a couple seconds. Also, Catcher, Chicago Cubs, for the first time I can say Chicago Cubs, World Series champ with the Washington Nationals, formerly also of the A's, the Indians, Blue Jays, catcher Jan Gomes. Great long discussion. The excitement with this car really is unbelievable. So we just kind of went off on this whole thing and just caught up about a lot of other stuff as well. I haven't talked to him in a, in a while. And we do hit a little baseball uh, because how can you not? Uh, with Jan Gomes. And then to finally finish off the episode, Amy Dash joins us, and we go off on this crazy story about Cain Velasquez. If you're a big Cain Velasquez fan and heard what happened, heard that he was arrested for attempted murder, well, me and Amy dive into it, kind of figure out there's some very um, upsetting events that took place, and uh, the outcome might not be so great for Cain Velasquez. It's very unfortunate. Hopefully, uh, there's justice here with this whole situation, but I'll get into that with Amy Dish. All right, so let's move forward because it's a long one. Um, let's get right to it. Headlining the UFC 272 pay-per-view event. No title on the line, by the way. Jorge and this is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, joined right now by Game Bread himself, 
Jorge Masvidal, thank you so much for hopping on. Appreciate it, brother. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? God bless everybody. I'm good, man. You're chilling. You're headlining another pay-per-view. Life is good. You're panini. You got your mezcal. Tell me what's going on with you, brother. Training, focus. And, man, I leave, I live in between the gym and my office, man, so I'm always working, brother. And I, and I love it. To me, it's not really work. To me, it's uh, something that I like to do. I love to be in the gym preparing for my next fight, where I love to be at the office, send them meetings, phone calls, seeing the next play. I love this life, man. I was born for this. Well, let me, let's, let's take it through because, you know, as a lot of the huge hardcore fans know, you've been doing this for a long time. You did the Kimbo Slice fights and whatnot, and now you're headlining pay-per-view after pay-per-view. And let me tell you something. Dana White has always been somebody who's like, ah, it needs to be a belt. It has to be a belt. You're up against Colby Covington, UFC 272. There's no belt. It's just your name. Think about where just your me. career has gone. Just me, because nobody knows that other guy you just mentioned. Nobody knows that fucking bum. And and number and numbers don't lie, right? Because every time he's had a pay-per-view chance, he's fucking bombed out. I'm talking about 200. He does like Jake Paul numbers, like 150,000 shit like that, you know? So it's 100% on me and... um. It's just a tribute, a credit to my hard work that I put in the sport. And, you know, wins or losses, those matter, obviously. But what fans really care about is that, that you give it your all when you get in there, man. I'm not trying to win by decision. You're, you're paying your $100 per ticket or the $85 you paid for the pay-per-view, whatever it is. I'm, I want to give you every dollar's worth, every penny's worth. And there's only one way to do that, to provide action, to give it all I got in there. And the fans see that and they relate. And that's what they want to see, whether they like me or not on a personal level, on a fighting level. Most of them love me because I, I give them what they want, that pure violence and I'm, and I'm getting after it. You know, fighting is not about, you know, just winning a fight and, and outpointing somebody. No, fighting is about separating myself as much as possible as I can from the opponent in front of me. And that usually means a brutal knockout that somebody has to wake them up and tell them what day it is. <laughs> Uh, dude, there's been some speculation. You tell me how off-base this is. Versus Kamaru Usman, because we watched that last fight with you, um, that you weren't 100% going into that fight. Is there any truth to that at all? Were you 100% going in there versus Kamaru Usman that second time around? No, second time around, he caught me with a clean shot. Um, I just got to get ready for him, you know, and I need 10 weeks. I need nine weeks to prepare for that guy, but there's no excuses, you know. Uh, both fights, I, I had six days the first one and a month for the second one. But he also had the same amount of time. So I, I can't take that as an excuse. He was better prepared in those shorter camps. He did much, much better. And in the second fight, I mean, we, we fought the whole first fight five rounds. I cut 20 pounds just to get there in, in, in very short time. And I, I still had your punches. pizza, too. Yeah, he still had some pizza. And, and man, I, I felt his shots. I felt his best shots in the first fight and swore to myself, this guy could never hurt me. This guy can't knock me out. And plus, he doesn't come to bang anyways. Long behold, he was only training this one particular shot the the whole time that uh, he was, you know, since our fight ended, you know, even before me and him got signed to fight, he was just training that shot. And man, he got me with the clean, man. I, I didn't see it. I thought he was going in for a takedown. He got me clean, so I can't take nothing away from him. Dude, but it doesn't make a difference because you still are. It doesn't take, listen, it hasn't changed your career one bit because you're still headlining fights. You're still one of the biggest names in the sport. You think about people who have headlined UFC events, not for a belt. Like, listen, you, and there's nothing, there's not even a BMF belt up for, up for grabs uh, May 5th at UFC 272. But Conor McGregor, 
Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz, and you. You guys have recently headlined pay-per-view events with no belt attached. How does it feel to be part of that, like, those type of names? Conor McGregor, who once was the face of MMA, it's turning into Jorge Masvidal. Definitely, definitely not a bad group to be in. Nate and Connor could care less for both of those fucking uh, leftovers. <laughs> Dustin Poirier, man, I got nothing but respect for that dude, man. That guy's a fucking stud, you know. Not, not that the other guys that were mentioned aren't great fighters, but um, I would like to bash your faces in more than anything, especially that Connor kid. He, he talks so much, and Nate Diaz says he wants a rematch. Maybe after this fight, I could break his fucking face, you know. When I got some downtime, because I don't know what the champ's gonna be doing. So while the champ's fighting somebody else or something. I don't mind beating any one of those assholes up and headlining another pay-per-view without no belt on the line, you know? Dude, not for, not for nothing, but the bi- I, I, I've seen plenty of UFC fights. I've been at many events at MSG, but to be there first versus you with Nate Diaz was one of the biggest, uh, ex- most exciting. The fan base was crazy. I mean, you had The Rock there. You had the president there. All right, dude. That president was- of the United States. Let's go, dude. Explain. Like, can did you ever imagine your career being that way? I mean, come on. Let's be serious. Um, you know, I'm a dreamer, man. I, 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 I literally at one point I, I didn't have anything, man. I didn't have much, and I, uh, in my in the worst situations, I, w- I would look up to the sky, pray to God, and, and just visualize things that I wanted, that I wanted to bring into existence, things where I wanted to be at, and and I constantly kept pushing those boundaries, and I, and I, I can't say that I envisioned. The Rock, the president, and my favorite fighter of all time is Roberto Duran walking me out all in one night. But I always did picture that uh, that I'd make a living for myself. I'd make a name for myself. I'd make my family proud. I'd make my community proud in this sport. And, and all these other things are just like the biggest cherries that I've ever seen in my life on top. You know, it, it, it's just crazy, man. Um, I'm just thankful to God, man. I, I, I really came from a place which wasn't the best. And I could say I'm, I'm well taken care of now, so it just it throws me back every time, and I'll, and I'll never stop giving thanks to God because I, I still remember like it was yesterday what it was like to go to sleep hungry, what it was like to do odd jobs, what you know, what many of us are going through nowadays. It just I thank God that I'm getting to live out my dreams. Oh, hey, dude, listen, as a, as a hardcore fan, uh, someone who's watched careers, you know, watched the the, the beginning of Anderson Silva's, watched the beginning of the Andre Arlovsky's, I've watched. Ooh. I've watched your career, man. It's it's a, it's awesome to see where you're at right now. It's unbelievable. It's a blessing for everybody, too, because you deserve it. You've gone out there. You've done the work. It's not like a, you know, oh, you got a couple fights in, and all of a sudden you're a huge name. You've, you've done the work. You put the time in. You deserve it. Uh, you brought something up about boxing. Your first love is boxing. I know that there's a lot of people making their way to the boxing world. Like there was even rumors of Francis Ngannou trying to make a, a run for boxing, going for Tyson Fury. Be interesting. But we saw Tyron Woodley even reverse Jake Paul. I know you don't like the name, but would we ever see? Would you ever go that route? Would you want to face a Jake Paul? Would you do that to to, to kind of represent the MMA world? It, it, it's like a, a mixed bag for me, you know, because um, I've been a professional fighter my whole life. And Woodley's not anywhere near his his prime or, or anything in his career. So he does have a win over Woodley, which was a great competitor at, at his time, you know. But for, for me to say that I want to fight Jake Paul, uh, it's not something that, like, interests me. I'll fight him right now, you know, as on my way to the gym or something to end this guy. But I, I prepared my whole life to fight the best of the best. He's not the best of the best. And I've, and I've always said two things. Either I want to fight the best of the best or I want to make a lot of money. 
at the current time, he doesn't fit any of those categories. Because when you're selling 70,000 pay-per-views, you got to get the fuck out of my face, man. Get the fuck out of face. 70,000 pay-per-views and you calling my name out? No, motherfucker. You, you, you need charity, and I'm not doing that right now. Because I, I worked I'm, in a couple months, in just like seven, eight months, it's going to be 20 years I've been in the sport profession. I've been in the sport since I've been 18 years old professionally. This is not some Jake Paul fairy tale. This is, you could go to Sherdog, you could go to YouTube. Since the backyard days to right now, I don't take time off. I just fight. I live in the gym. I breathe the gym. I'm with fighters. I, I beat up fighters. I get beat up by fighters. That, that's what I do. So when I got this actress like Jake Paul trying to fight me, it's, it's not something that interests me so much, you know, because he doesn't bring money. And between me and you and between me and the rest of the world, he's not a, he's not a fighter that I'm like, oh, man, this guy's so devastatingly good. I'm dying to fight him. Would I love to go into boxing and challenge myself against some of the better fighters out there? Yes, you know. Now, when Jake Paul starts selling, I don't know, some type of pay-per-views, I will gladly go to boxing and break his fucking eye orbital, his fucking upper palate, his lower palate, you know. I, I, I'll handle that, but like I said, I, I'm not doing charity, man. I, you know, you're selling 70,000 pay-per-views. There's nothing to talk about. He had a street team handing out free tickets at the event for people to go to the event, you know? So I, I'm just, uh, I'm very confused. This guy's a super showman. He offers people, uh, he offered me like something petty, like $5 million to come over in boxing. One, as we all know, I'm not a boxer. I'm an I'm a MMA fighter. So now I'm going to do something that's not my expertise for a pay cut? Like, is this guy fucking stupid or what, man? And mind you, this guy has brain damage already and he has how many pro fights? He has two pro fights? They should take him out before he ends up in a wheelchair, bro. <laughs> Jorge Catch up, man. Uh, listen, I appreciate the time. UFC 272, you and uh, that other guy. Jorge Mondro, game bread. I appreciate the time, man. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, brother. Thank you for having me on, man. I look at Jorge, uh, and he's just, dude, he's just so natural. It, he, for so many reasons, he deserves the spotlight that he's been getting. He's just so, um, he's so transparent. He doesn't fake it. If this is not an act. This is who he is. And he's just enjoying it, you know. Good for him, um, getting to where he has. Because a lot of people say he's a, he, you know, was he a journeyman? He kind of was for a little bit, and then the then he turned a corner. And it's nice to see him um, reaping the benefits. And again, UFC two seventy two is going to be a crazy card. I, it's crazy main event. It's just going to be nuts. And I, there's going to be a lot of and me and uh, Jan Gomes. We'll get into it in a few minutes. There's going to be some twists and turns about to this fight, and it's just it's very difficult to uh, take a side on this because the fight can go a bunch of different ways. But we'll get into that right now, actually. Uh, here he is, first time as a Chicago Cub catcher, Jan Gomes. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, and I'm being joined now by the first time, I could say this, Chicago Cubs catcher, Jan Gomes. <laughs> I haven't spoken to you in a while, man. Congratulations on, on the new change in life. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Uh, I can't wait for that full circle to come actually true so we can actually get it going. But uh, I'm excited to be here. Love being here with you guys. Listen, uh, I'm excited to have you as always. It's been a while. A lot has happened in the MMA world. First, on a crazy note. Now, I haven't spoken to you about this, but the Cain Velasquez news. Have you, been in, have you, have you seen what's been going on here? Man, I, uh, I've been, you know, at first glance, you kind of like get super shocked and you're like, oh man, what's he doing? But then you start hearing more and more of the story. Um, there's more than the, the title, you know, that is 
been leading to it. So um, it's kind of wild, man. It's crazy. I, uh, I, I don't want to like jump into any conclusions because you obviously want to hear more of the story before uh, we can all comment on it. Yeah, no, it, it for, uh, unfortunately, the problem is I spoke to a legal person, uh, Amy Dash, who I'm going to have on after our, our interview. Um, and the problem is that hurts in the situation is Cain Velasquez, for all the right intentions, could be put away in jail longer than potentially the person that is he was going after for all these. You know, no. it's, it's just the legal system is ridiculous yeah. and crazy. So I hope it all no. works out in, in the end. But I mean, it's just such a scary story. And you and I both no. have kids. So as parents, it's just no. freaking scary. No, but, absolutely. But let's get down to the real issue I'm having you on here for. Dude, UFC 272. You t- tell me this, okay? You've been in some crazy ass rivalries, uh, you know, being on the Indians, Guardians now, being on the Nationals, <laughs> A's, now with the Cubs. You know, baseball is historic for its rivalries. Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. This is kind of like possibly one of the best rivalries, real rivalries in sports. Am I wrong? Um, no, you're not wrong. But I, I want first for us to like define rivalry. Right. Because I, I, I don't think at how it was built before it was a rivalry at all. I think it was just two guys that started clashing. And now it's like, it's been some unbelievable theater. And I love it. We, we both know we love it. Um, but, I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait till they both jump in the ring. I just hope, I mean, I, I, I hope it goes the way we all want it to go. And I mean, we're excited for sure. Well, and that's the thing. So, so just to step back a little bit, you're right. It's like, it's this built-in drama and we all know Jorge Masvidal for being this real, genuine. Seems like genuine mm-hmm. dude. Sure. He doesn't hide it. He's. We've watched him in those those you know uh, Kimbo slice you know backyard mm-hmm. fights, boxing stuff like that. And then we see Colby Covington, who we have this oddly. He's a really good fighter in the cage, but he's kind of like a douche. His personality, <laughs> you know, it, it, when yeah. he's like talk, you know, it, it, but it's built into this beautiful drama. And you're right, it's mm-hmm. about what happens in the cage. Now, explain to me, I'll give you my thoughts, but how do you see this fight going? Well, I mean, it's kind of funny, man, because like, they both know each other so well. Um, it seems like Masvidal has had uh, Bo Nickel come in and help him out with his wrestling which that is a massive game plan. I'm sure it's going to be a massive game plan for uh, Covington. On the stand-up, not, again, not that I'm an expert on it. Uh, it seems like Masvidal is going to have the advantage of it. But on a pace standpoint, Covington is, you know, he's got a freaking crazy gas tank. So, um, but Masvidal has shown some, some good life on the, on, on the stand-up. And as he goes with this uh, gas tank, you just hope that their adrenaline coming into the fight doesn't burn them both out. That you know they they go crazy in the first two rounds and then you know it slows down big time. I see, um, man, I see Masvidal um, taking this just because again you you brought up a little bit of his background. I know exactly where he's from. I grew up in Miami. I, I grew up you know around the Pirine area where you know all those Kimball Slice fights are from. Um, those guys have a little extra juice in them, man. They've got a little extra toughness. Not that I, I mean anything with uh, Covington, but uh, I see it going Masvidal's way. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a big show fight. Um, 
but uh, I'm excited for it. It's funny because I, I think like Masvidal, we've seen him the versus you know Leon Edwards just behind the scenes stuff like that. Like you know what he could do, you know how dangerous he is in the cage with the striking. We've seen what he did Nate Diaz. I mean everybody, you 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 name it. And prior to, I think it was Cerrone, maybe one other fight prior to that, he didn't have that, like, killer instinct in him. A lot of fights went to decisions, and he was losing to these decisions. Yeah. He made a point. He's like, I got to finish people. And he really started just, I mean, the Ben Askren, yeah. all this stuff, Darren Tails of the world. He really just started to hit a new stride. But the one thing that scares me, and I didn't know about the Bo Nickel stuff, so that that's very interesting. But the one thing that scares mm-hmm. me is, how did how is it possible? And this is MMA math for you. How is it possible that Colby Covington went nearly 10 rounds yeah. with Kamaru Usman, who is by far the best welterweight right now, potentially sure. of all time, and Jorge Masvidal got knocked out? How is that possible? Now I asked Masvidal that question. I go, I go, were you f-? I said speculation? I was the one speculating. I said, uh, <laughs> I go, speculation was that you weren't a hundred percent that you were under the weather. Is that the case? And he said, no, dude, it was, it was, he just hit me clean. It was a good shot. He was working on that all camp. He called me clean. So how is that possible? Um, I could say, you know, again, this is just us BS and talking. I think, um, Usman has like that unbelievable wrestling background, which can can probably lower Masvidal's hands a slight bit. You know, he that first fight he came out and he was just throwing hands. Who cares? You take me down, I'll get up. But then I guess it was like almost like he not that he took it more serious, but he could have been under the weather. His hands could have been, you know, a little bit um, more guarded to a takedown, not wanting to. And man, I mean, that was that punch was one of those like picture perfect punches sweats flying everywhere <laughs> it was it was like there's one of those who like doing movies um but then you go in the covington fight um that's what they both do they're both you know one two one two you know guys and then they they can grapple and wrestle uh even though uzman has actually been fighting on a stand-up a lot more in his wrestling i mean i know he's got that uh denver background like of the i think in the olympic sites right i think he's trained over there and I think, I think he's so. got the background over there. So those are extremely high level wrestlers. And I think they both just kind of like respected each other in that sense. And they just went toe to toe. And and it's it's funny because again, we've talked about how, you know, certain fights for certain matchups really create like the the fight itself. So Kamaro and, and Colby having that similar, okay, we're both are really good t- on the ground. That's kind of cancels out. So we're gonna stand up and just throw but but colby has that like we've seen that colby can go 25 minutes and keep that energy so that's why i say it's if it's gonna be a knockout no it's gonna be by masvidal that's how it's Mm -hmm. gonna be but something about colby i just and you i heard from kamaro too kamaro they asked him like who do you think how do you think this fight's gonna go he goes it could go other way, but I could see Colby just kind of just keep on taking him down, wearing him down, and that's the way that he'll try to approach it, which would be disappointing a little bit because you do want to see those two strikes. Yeah. So. And it's kind of like that. Um, um, so I get no, I agree with you because um, from an emotional background, you could see Masvidal taking bigger hacks, you know, going out there trying to, you know, as 
the plenty of things that he said in his interviews, you know, um, and you could tell, and you could see Covington fighting a little bit smarter, um, grabbing onto him, buying some time, buying some rounds. And then next thing you know, fifth round comes around and, oh, look how alive Kobe, uh, Kobe is right now. Well, he knows he's got four rounds or three rounds in the book, but I could 100% seeing that. I hope that Masvidal is a little bit smarter than that, which I know he is. I know, again, man, like I, I know all of his guys that um, we used to, I used to kind of like watch them train when I used to live in Miami. Uh, one of his trainers is my uh, was actually my strength coach when I was down in Miami. And those guys are smart, man. I, I They, they got to take away the emotional part. And I feel like that's what's gotten Masvidal so good. You know, he was like, you know, I know he hates being called the journeyman, but I mean, you look at it, he was the middle of the pack, no, like, brawler. Everybody loved watching him fight, but he had never making that big step. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, and I think that fight that you were talking about was that Damian Maya fight. Where right. He just kind of, remember, he just kind of kept grabbing on, and like, everyone's like, what the heck? Just stuff one and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, easier said than done, but you talk about Damian Maya as well. So, Damian Maya, one of the best jujitsu artists out there. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, once he has your back, it's like, all right, see you later. Uh, uh, see no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're, you're right. And it, I forgot about that, that history, though, too, about the, 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 because your brother, now, does your brother still train deep into MMA mm-hmm. as well or no? No, no, not anymore. He, uh, he did it, uh, uh, quite a few years back and, uh, him and Masvidal um, trained together uh, right when early on. I think Masvidal's making that move from uh, Kimbo Slice Gym to <laughs> to training, uh, and they kind of trained together for a little bit. And uh, that's how we uh, kind of got to know each other. I don't know if he remembers me or not, but uh, I used to remember watching him fight. But it's amazing. I mean, you probably, besides Masvidal, you probably, just through being in that circuit, I mean, so many fighters have come through there. You've probably seen so many people pass through besides Masvidal. You've probably seen mm-hmm. other, whether Bellator fighters, UFC fighters. I mean, you've probably seen, probably been and been part of and, and trained with many, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, one of my good friends now that I train with uh, fights, uh, Scott Holtzman. Um, it's it's awesome. That, that's kind of like, you know, I love in like getting to know the perspective of like what it goes through to go through a camp. I've been... Um, probably two to three weeks away from him going and, you know, cleaning and going into, you know, his serious camps to, or at least to leave, you know, I've been in the gym with him. Um, same thing with Stipe, you know, he's one of my, you know, my really good friends. I've, I've actually been in the hotel room with him before he goes out to the arena. And that was by far the most nerve wracking. Actually it was the, uh, Nagano fight. That was the most oh. nerve wracking situation I've ever been around. Cause you know, you're sitting there not wanting to mess anything up, but, uh, on the background, yeah. Um, back in the day with those guys, I used to um, – uh, Jay-Z Cavalcante, Jorge Santiago, um, all those guys. Uh, I think Rashad Evans came around a little bit and trained some of those guys. So, um, yeah, I dude, I, I've been a huge fan of the sport, as you know. And every time those guys came around, yeah, I was uh, – I'll honestly say I was starstruck a lot. So, it was a cool experience. Who Who is the one person where you're like, oh – I can't believe I'm in the same room or I can't believe I'm talking to this person right now. Is there one like fighter in particular that was like, I think you said, I think you said you saw Grace, you met Gracie a long time ago, but is there anybody else? So um, I was, I didn't like actually meet uh, Gracie's. I was like, you said, like I was in the room with them, but one of the coolest things was, um, well, there's actually, I mean, two stories. I don't want to take too much of 
on that. Uh, so we were at a Naga tournament a long time ago, uh, the National Grappling Association. And um, it, me and my brother were doing – I wasn't, like, really doing it. Like, I mean, I was just kind of, like, going there to – you know, it was as the Coral Springs were doing. And uh, Mino Taro was there. Uh, the brothers, <laughs> the, the, Rodrigo, Rogério, they were both there. And they – one of our – I think it was actually that coach came in and told them, like, oh, these guys are ball players. They play baseball. Again, man, like, I don't think any Brazilians knew what baseball was at the time. And uh, he b- looked at both my brother and I and said, hey, go play baseball, man. <laughs> and and uh, it was a super cool. And um, the other one, it was a like, super random. Um, I was trying to buy the log from um, uh, what's the wrestling movie? No, you just wanked me out. Um, uh, Vision Quest. Right. And, and uh, Randy Couture had bought it. <laughs> Legend. And I had, I know, I had some uh, some connections, and I wanted to buy it from him. So I ended up like texting him, creepily texting him, and then it turned <laughs> into like, oh, well, I got, I guess I talked to Randy Couture. That was really cool. But um, that is awesome, yeah, I mean, dude. Yeah, I've been around some um, some really cool experiences uh, going to fights. Um, that has always been cool, uh, running into some guys, and uh, I actually became good friends with. Um, Rob from uh, Bad Boy, and I got the you know the old school Bad Boy and like the gear, and um, so that was really cool to get to meet some of those guys through him as well. That's awesome. You know, one thing I want to know because again, you, like you're you were been doing baseball for a long time, but you also trained in MMA. How does it, especially for the your position being a catcher, how does jujitsu and all all these other combat sports, how does that training help? baseball does it help at all because i mean again you're squatting your knees constantly how, how does it help your body at all so um well if you ever like rolled around man like it is a full body workout you, you're gassed i try really you know to be honest with you i try to stay away from doing jujitsu and wrestling as you know i i joke around and i mess around with with holtzman you know, he, he puts me on my butt real quick. So, <laughs> but mainly like I, you know, for me, it's just like, you know, doing pad work, uh, just creating, you know, hand-eye coordination, stuff like that. Um, I just feel like, you know, especially the position that I'm at right now, um, being, you know, catching and really using my ankles, my knees, my hips, my, everything, you know, um, I feel like the wrestling and the jujitsu part, you know, whether you like it or not, something's going to tweak at one point. And I don't want to like, you know, be me a dumb because I know I'm not going to take it lightly. I know I'm not going to like, oh, stop. T-. I mean, I, I get it. Uh, so um, I try to stay light on that or, or, or away from it as much as I can. Um, even though when you, you start, you know, in the gym, you start getting close to start wrestling, you kind of just go into it. But um, yeah, I mostly do pad work. You know, you do some some kind of sparring, but not as, as crazy as and it's really just for cardio standpoint for me. I'm uh I'm very heavily cardio based kind of guy. I'm, so I'm, I always try to like just create any type of. Um... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Different type of cardio now. That's awesome. I, I do understand that once you get in a zone, once you're competing, you're a competitive person. You're not going to mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to find a way to get out of this, this yeah. mission. Yeah. It's not happening. Not happening. So I get that. <laughs> um, one other thing, just get back into the, to the MMA world, the fight, UFC 272. So I was looking forward to RDA versus Physio. Like that seemed to be like, yeah. oh my goodness. It's good. I know they had to move it for mm-hmm. visa purposes. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, Physio COVID issues. He has to be knocked off this fight. It looks like Islam Makachev is going to jump in, which is crazy. There's all this thing about uh, RDA going up to 170. He'll accept the fight. Ends up now being uh, Moicano, which is, uh, to be fair, is a better fight for RDA. Am I wrong? Uh, man, Moicano's nasty, man. Like I think he's a a heck of a fighter. I think if RDA picks up the pace, I think he'll do – all right but i mean it's kind of one of those weird ones right um it, it should be better for rda um but you know moicano has done some some nasty things man like he's got some some good stand-up he's a you know he's good on the ground good jiu-jitsu guy so it's kind of a, a dangerous fight but yeah um i was super excited to 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 see physio and but um it's cool to see guys jump in to be honest like you know a guy that just fought i think Moicano fought like two, three weeks ago, a month ago. Yeah, and he had a nasty. Recently. Yeah, he. I forgot who he knocked. Did he knock out? I think his mm-hmm. prior yeah. opponent yeah. too. It was nasty. Uh, I was like, I haven't seen Moicano like that in a while because I remember he fought Aldo a few years ago, and I was like waiting for him to like. I thought Aldo was on the decline, and Moicano was that guy that 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 he was going to rise in the featherweights. I, <laughs> And he just he yeah, just kind of disappeared from yeah. But it's nice to see, and that's that's the thing about MMA too. So you can go through these ups and downs. We've seen tons of fighters. I mean, you go through Cerrone, Masvidal, all of these guys that have had these ups and downs in their career, but they could still find a way to a title. Um, so it's kind of nice. Like we saw Bobby Green, who just he's getting older. He's thirty something years old, 35, 36 years old, yet he's making waves. And if he beat Islam last minute. Hey, maybe he did have a title fight. It's it is crazy. So Moicano, sure. so the fact that Moicano jumping in, it's it's a good a good thing for Moicano. I meant more as Islam might be more difficult for RDA. I'm not sure about the weight size, but Islam seemed to be um, a little bit more in a different level. Yeah, um, I just think Islam, when the time comes, he's gonna he's gonna hold on to that division. I think the. You know, I don't think he's gotten like hit very much either. Like the way he fights, he's, you know, he's, he's, you're, you're Russian wrestler, man. Like those guys have like a different like type of it. And, uh, you know, Khabib is over there on his side. He's, you know, it's, 
literally like watching Khabib again. Anytime it's, he grabs a hold of him, it's practically game over. It's Khabib 2.0. It's scary. Yeah. It's, it is scary. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's interesting to think about the matchups. That's what it comes down to. It's like, okay, how do I do this MMA math, which never works out in my, my head at least. So if he fights Charles Oliveira, I think it'll be very interesting. And it'll be that Khabib, Tony Ferguson as fight that we always wanted. And then you go, if, if not, it's going to be Islam versus Gaethje, which we've seen Gaethje versus Khabib. And, mm-hmm. and he couldn't stop that. So it's like these Russian fighters, they, they really know how to just – it seems right now that the wrestler, if you are an unbelievable elite wrestler, you have that advantage over anybody, no matter how good they are striking, no matter mm-hmm. how good they are jiu-jitsu. No, absolutely. I 100% agree with it. But the, the, the respectful in, – in the fans' like eyes, I think, the, the way that Islam is doing it, He's not backpacking and winning the fight. You know, he grabs him, takes him down, you know, gets full mount and beats the living crap out of guys. You know, he's doing that to guys. Same thing Khabib was doing. Yeah. You know, he as soon as he grabs a hold of you, he was going to wear you out and beat you up. And I think the the level that they're coming up with is just – it's just like one step above of what seems to be uh, right now. And uh, that's why he's getting so much hype. Um, I mean, I think – fighters in general are putting the hype on him um but um not putting the hype on him i think they're just showing the respect that he uh that these guys are deserving no question um now the 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 credit the that people deserve unfortunately i keep on hearing rumors conor mcgregor may just cut Mm. through it all and get a title fight now talk about somebody who you've gone through the grind in baseball you've got, I mean, dude, you talk about baseball and grinding it out. I mean, the minor leagues and stuff like that, to get to where first, first Brazilian to play baseball in the pro pro level, you've grinded it out yourself. You imagine someone just stepping in and be like, all right, now I'm just, I'm, I don't, I don't need to play. And all of a sudden I'm just going to step in and I'm going to take your, your spot out of nowhere. Yeah. Does it get frustrating after a while to see that? Do we, or, or is it like, Oh, well, you know what? On the other hand, if Charles Oliveira decides to face Conor McGregor for a title fight, at least Charles Oliveira gets paid. And Conor McGregor gets knocked out. But uh, (laughs) I don't know, man. Um, It's kind of funny to me that um, he what what Conor did for the sport um, in the last, you know, I guess I would say a few years, but I guess it's been like 10 years now, you know. Almost, yeah. yeah, he brought the game, the sport, like to a whole nother level. Respect, I get it, but I mean, not that to say that he's not an elite guy anymore at all. But you know, it's kind of hard to like, oh my goodness, here comes the the McGregor train again. Oh, these two guys got paid two million dollars for the fight. You know, the co-main event is going to get paid because of the pay per view, but he's not getting any money. Either. So it's like, and those guys should have been fighting for the title shot. You know, like, it's almost like, um, you know, from back in the day, man, like the MMA world would just keep rolling. It would just keep rolling. I just feel like, you know, not that it matters because, I mean, it's almost turned into like an entertainment that mm-hmm. Conor jumps in, it stalls it out again. You know, I think, but hey, guys are going to love it. But I don't think him and Islam is going to be the fight that they want to see. No chance, because that that would just 
that would kill McGregor and another, you know, another loss in his right because he's just going to do the same thing that Khabib did. Right. Know? And then, yeah, but it's funny though because people are like, oh, well, that's another way to get Khabib and Connor back in the cage again. I'm like, we don't actually need to see that. <laughs> no, we don't. No, you, you really don't, man. And and it shows even when, uh, um, like, I think we talked about this before the Dustin Poirier fight. And we were like, man, like, Dustin's a way higher level guy than, you know, he ever thought he was back then. Now, Dustin, did he want to make the money fighting him twice? Absolutely. He's not dumb. You know, like, that's a smart thing for him, you know? But then, oh, yeah. And even if you put Charles Oliveira right now, I mean, that guy right now, what he's the hot streak that he's on right now, it's like, you know, it's, you know, he's seeing that balloon ball right now every time he's hitting. You know, he's, he's seeing the game really, you know, strong. Like he's hitting guys clean as he can. And I don't, I just don't, the, the Conor McGregor fight right now is just like not anything enticing for me at all. It's not impressive. And it's, it's because what Olivero is doing right now is impressive. It's how he's winning. It's who he's beating. You see the Chandler where he almost mm-hmm. got knocked out, comes back. It just, it really, it, and, and unfortunately for me, like I am a Dustin Poirier fan, but you do want to see him, you know, righteously eventually hold the belt. I don't think that's going to happen right now. I don't see it happening anytime mm-hmm. soon because Oliver is that good. Um, so the fact that he's doing it the way he's doing it, it is so impressive. It was, it's, I don't want to say it's at that Anderson Silva level because I think that's only Israel out of sign right now. I think Izzy in that yeah. middleweight division is like that so elite fighter. There's not many people that can really put on a good performance against him. I mean, even though Whitaker tried and he did a better job in the first time around, it just wasn't that. It, it, he's still like, mm. Izzy's just at a different level. Oliver kind of is at that place. So it's like, you don't want to see Connor anymore. You want to see there's so many good fighters in the lightweight division. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of want to stay out of it. And the other problem is this. And now I'm I'm sure you're a decent boxing fan. Whether you're not, you like the MMA more. I'm sure you know boxing a little bit. That's the problem with boxing. You know, on, on the front, Connor being a, a, a star is good, but he doesn't have to face everybody. Like there's better matchups and the the non-casuals, the diehard fans yeah. actually want to see those fights, make those fights happen. Boxing, it's like nobody wants to see these fights. The fights that they do want to see, you can never make it happen. Like it took Anthony mm-hmm. jo- it's Anthony Joshua still hasn't fought Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder. Think about that. Think about how long no. those names have been going on. So you don't need to throw Connor in there. Like, not for nothing. I've heard a lot of criticism about DC and Stipe holding up the heavyweight division. Like, I know it was a great trilogy. It was a great trilogy, but a lot of people weren't happy about that. It's like, you know, we want to see something more. The fact that Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, there may be a fourth fight. You know, you want to see other people get in the mix. What are your thoughts on that? Well, one, you know I'm going to defend the Stipe. Because he did not not hold up that division at all. Stipe, for a long time, was fighting whoever. He was fighting – Three times a year. I want to say he fought four times one year, like to, to make it move. And then when he got to the title shot, like he fought those guys. He kept fighting. Now, the trilogy DC Stipe, it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. That's a trilogy that needed to happen. Like we all, I mean, I don't want to say we all knew, but like that punch that DC landed on, on Stipe came out of nowhere. And even if you talk to Stipe, he's, he's just as honest as Masvidal. He's like, dude, I looked up and the thing came from like down here, you know, <laughs> and I didn't see it. And I went down and then they needed to happen. 
But now it's like the holding up is you no know, like what is Nagana gonna do? What's Sirogana gonna do? Like it, it's but then again it's all becoming for the money part of it. You know, and I just feel like Oliveira, you know, going back kind of like backtrack on what you've been talking about, like the Oliveira, it's only I feel like that people aren't like as Adesanya like on him is because you we've kind of like saw him stumble a little bit. He lost a couple fights that he maybe like or didn't shoot up as much as he, you know, we thought he should have. And then now you see him again. So, I, man, I think Oliveira is going to – he's going to be a tough guy to deal with. For me, man, whenever you see – and that's what I, I gain a lot of respect from Usman. Whenever you see a guy like that get – like, he got nearly knocked out in the first round against Chandler. Yeah. Same with same with Usman. Usman almost got – by uh, Gilbert Burns, he almost got knocked out. Like, or he, he got hit, and then they came back and won the fight, like, Screw this! I'm coming. You know, that's cha- that's that's championship stuff, and you're seeing a lot of that from you know from Oliveira and Usman. That's what so makes them champs. They know how to win the fight. But yeah, I mean, there's certain divisions that are gonna you know hold each other up because you you know the everybody wants to make the money. I get it. You know, there there's gotta be some kind of like incentive based thing. I mean, we can go into it on a different you know topic as well, but like. I just feel like the level in in the super, you know, the Figueroa and Moreno, dude, I would watch those two fight all day. I'm okay dude. with that. <laughs> and now yeah, it was a you know, crazy that was a crazy fight. And it and it was a toss up. I thought it could have gone out of the way that last the, that I, last same fight. Here. Same here. And then and then watching, you know, what about uh Valentina? Not no, I've been kind of I don't know if I've been out of it a little bit. I don't think I, I even had heard of uh, Tyler, the girl that she's fighting. Santos, yeah. Tyler Santos. So I was like, oh, she's got a title shot. And I mean, what do you want them to do? You know, and then, then it comes to like where Adesanya goes and moves, you know, away class. And then you start talking about, you know, holding the visions up. Yeah. You're waiting for someone to move up and wait or going down and wait. It's like, man, just this is why I got jokingly around. I think we joked about this, like the whole tournament thing, man. Just get a yearly tournament. I, I know other division places have done it, but yeah, it seems to it seems to crown a champion at the end of every year. Bellator does it. PFL, what they do has been pretty successful. It's nice, you know. It's it's cool. Our boy Chris Wade has been so close, like three I years know. in a row, dude. It's like, mm-hmm. oh man, but he's not giving up. I love that about him. Uh, no, the <laughs> tournament, the, the tournament style is not a bad idea, um, especially when you're right when divisions feel like they're being held up because there's no one to fight these guys. So try to try to make it more, more exciting. One thing, one thing I do want to say though, you talk, texted me this off and it's, it's a little bit off topic because uh, Izzy went up to that light heavyweight division to face Blahovitz. And, you know, ever since John Jones left, it seemed like there's been a little bit more clarity. So a little bit more focus on what's going on there. There was one fighter in particular that I thought really was going to be able to give John Jones a run for his money, and he has been on a bad, bad losing streak. Johnny Walker, and you said something, the Brazilian stubbornness. (laughs) Explain that to me. Explain that to me. Man, I I just feel like we we just kept seeing the same act from Johnny. At least, I mean, I I, I know. I'm I'm, as stubborn sometimes as it can be. I just feel like the the man, I'm gonna dig myself a hole here. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I, I just feel like they're um, the division. It can get or the division. The the fighter can get so excited about what is happening, and guys are following him. And Johnny, man, like people thought he was going to be, you know, the next big guy, like you said, going. And then it's the same style, you know, going wild, going doing crazy, and guys catch him, and he's and and like I don't know, you know, at at some point, when is it like, what what guy did that? Because you know we all emulate someone, we all we all idolize someone. Like you're not Anderson Silva. The stuff that he was doing, dodging, that's Anderson Silva. You can learn his kicks. You're not, you know, Jose Aldo never did that. No, he was a champion. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. I just feel like, you know, he came in so like you know happy and so and then it kind of it's it stinks, man. It stinks to see him like you know going down so quickly. And now no, it's like, you know, what's going to happen? So we're talking about Johnny Walker. Um, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> the Brazilian, the Brazilian stubbornness. Listen, I'm Italian. We're, st- we're stubborn as well. So I understand. Um, <laughs> listen, real quick, let's run through the rest of the card. A couple of fights on the card that, yeah. that really pop out. No, Dude, Edson Barboza versus Bryce Mitchell is like a legit fight. Now, a lot of people are like, yeah. oh, Bar- Barboza is getting older. He still is ridiculous. I mean, he's one of the best kickboxers in the, in the, in the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, Bryce Mitchell is, is nasty. He's 14 and one, but I don't, I don't oh, know. Can he, he, he can't, can't, he can't fight. Can he really sit there and strike with Barboza? Can he stand there with Barboza? Definitely not. Uh, it doesn't seem like Bryce Mitchell will have to, man. Like I think Bryce Mitchell has got a good, uh, he's got a good background on him. And I, I actually thought he was still on the feet. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but, um, um, I, man, I'm I'm excited to to see the rise of uh um, Bryce Mitchell. To be honest with you, man, I I love Barboza, man. Like he's had some of the most legendary knockouts in the in the game. And you know what, man? Like he could he could hit that Charlie Rivera, you know, um, you know, hot streak, especially with the fight style that he has. Mm. He's got such powerful, you know, kick, stand up, like everything. So, um, but um, I'm ex- I'm excited to see Bryce Mitchell get a a good talent like that. You know, the last time I saw Barboza, I think was that that Shane Burgos knockout, that scary knockout, mm-hmm. right where mm-hmm. Burgos basically just delayed. Like, yeah, I've never yeah. seen anything like that. That that Barboza, that's yeah. how nasty Barboza is with the strikes. And you yeah. look at those fights with him and Paul Felder. He's still mm-hmm. he's he's a danger. So it, that that no, to absolutely. me, you don't. I don't mm-hmm. want. I would never want to. I wouldn't want to no. get into the cage with those guys. Like I'm a listen. I'm a big guy. I'm a heavyweight. I don't want to see guys like Stephen. I don't want to see guys like I'm a John. heavyweight as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you? What? How much you weigh? I'm, dude, I'm like two ten, two fifteen. So yes, I would be a heavyweight. Get out of here! But you, but, yeah. but dude, you look you look good though. Like you're 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 not built that. But like, I can't lose. I can't lose to. I can't go to two hundred five. Those guys are too big too. I, I can't go to one eighty five. <laughs> how tall are you? You're six what? See, depends if i'm wearing cleats i'm six two <laughs> i'm the same way too if I, if I have sneakers on i'm six two otherwise i'm like six one and three fourths but um <laughs> dude so kevin holland on the card too as well he's excited he's going yeah. against alex Oliveira, ca- brazilian cowboy i mean dude cowboy. there's so many there's so many brazilians on this card too which is awesome i love seeing the brazilians because every time i see them they Everything's always they're they Brilliant. really bring an amazing fight out of their opponent. Yeah, it's always a lot of joy. And I mean, I think, you know, if you look at it, man, like the the UFC without Brazilians, I, I don't know. It, it wouldn't have been UFC. So it's almost like you see, you know, you, you as soon as you're Brazilian, you get that, 
you know, extra tagged on you. So um, it's always exciting. Uh, Kevin Holland, I mean, he's been, uh, he's been very active on his, you know, social media. So uh, I'm excited to see if he, uh, you know, has, has developed or, or changed. I mean, dude, he, he knocked out Jacare, man. Like, are you kidding me? On like, his back. On his back. On like, his back talking on. to him. Like, you can't go that far backwards when you knock out Jacare. So uh, dude, I'm excited. Uh, I, I really am. He, he's one of the guys that uh, I'm excited about. Um, one thing I do want to ask you, just because we've talked about Stipe a few times, when is he fighting next? I we You and I, I, I sent you that, yeah. that Ariel – Put out this John Jones Stipe fight mm-hmm. that would be magic because a we talked about that after the DC Stipe trilogy that made a ton of sense for John Jones Stipe. Now Jones has been in in some um, legal issues, you could say. Um, is that something that that you see happening soon, or, or is there Stipe you think is going to get antsy? Because I don't know when John Jones coming back. I really don't. Yeah. Do you see Stipe go, jumping in there sooner than that? Um, I wish I had, I wish I had some insight, man. Uh, the conversations that I've had with Stipe have just been about our families. Um, mm. but, um, I don't know if it's going to speed up the process when Derek Lewis got knocked out, you know, yeah. when he went down. So I don't know if Ty just jumps straight on and goes and fights Nagano. And I don't even know if Nagano is ready to fight. Um, it's, I see he's it, messed I up, see, dude. Yeah. And I saw the thing where, um, I think Tyson Fury said, like, oh, it could happen. Him and Nagano, it could. So then, you know, hey, man, like, it's it's starting to become just a, such an entertainment business and you're trying to yeah. join forces. And uh, But, um, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I hope to see Stipe back, you know. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, the John Jones fight, I think he was excited about it. Um, I think everyone so, was. <laughs> yeah, but I, in – because I think I think I, I and I, I would bet on this. I bet like if Stipe John Jones fight, it will be for interim title. I think yeah. the way Dana does it, he would just like, hey, here you go. I think Nagano had like two months off. And he's like Cyril, you know. It was like interim title, go. So it's like, um, and you know, John Jones is gonna not want to fight for anything else, less of the title. And Stipe, not for nothing, but hello, the guy yeah. is up there for one of the greatest heavyweights of all time you kind of make sense to slap an interim on that no matter what so I, I mean greatest of all time i think he is you have now scariest that's a different you know you got nagano and those guys coming and doing some i scared the i saw <laughs> whenever i saw him in person i was like oh goodness this i but um i, I mean stipe has to go down as his greatest of all time as of right now First of all, Francis is like one of the nicest guys in the world, though. That's the crazy thing. Like again, he met JD. You you've talked to JD a bunch of times. He met him. He was such a nice guy. Very yeah. soft spoken then. Now that was five years ago. I think things have changed a little bit. I'm still so curious. Like Stipe, your boys with him. I wonder really what goes on. Like he's so cold once he gets in that cage. He's such a killer, but he's such like a funny oh, guy outside of the cage, dude. Dude, it is um, and that he he's really one of the most genuine, like I almost want to say like jock, you know, like he is he's like such a, a fun like dude, like he just <laughs> I, dude, the dude loves to have j- just fun, like and not like 
you know, the normal type. I mean, like goofy fun, man. Like the dude loves making fun of himself. Um, I, you know, anytime we hang out, he makes fun of himself a lot. He likes to, you know, do goofy stuff. And you kind of, it's like, dude, you're like the, the baddest guy in like in the heavyweight division. Like, you know, and because we, we, we feel like that's the way some guys should act, but he is just, he, you know, we talked about like his firefighting, like where, where he's a firefighter. Like he yeah. said, those guys give him just as much crap back. And I'm like, that is so hard to, to even, but he's like, dude, I love it. And that's just the way life is. Cause he is, he is a true, like human, like he's an unbelievable guy. He's a blue collar, you know, worker. And that's just who he is. He just happens to be an unbelievable fighter. That's crazy to me that he still puts his life on the line like that all the time. No. That to me is that just, that just proves to you how good of a person that guy is. He does not. No, absolutely. It's unbelievable. I will, vouch, he... I will vouch all day for that guy. Man. I, like, it... I love that guy. Is he a big gamer too? Is he a big e gamer? Oh, yeah. Yes, What's he it, is. Do yeah. you play too or no? I, uh, man, I, I, my wife's going to give me looks because I came down here to talk for a couple of hours. But uh, no, um, no, I, I, man, I like to, to hold my anger and my anxiety to, to different things. And uh, I feel like gaming. I remember when I did it as a kid, I would like slam my controller. I was like, and it took a while. I'm like, man, what am I doing, dude? I, I, I could, you know, exert this energy on something else. My my friend, my best friend used to go through controllers like no one else. Like every like couple months, he'd have to go to Best Buy or whatever store it was to get like a new <laughs> controller for whatever system because he'd put his he'd throw his controller through whatever the wall or whatever. No. So I, I understand. No, I'm, I'm a I'm a country guy, man. I like I live in the woods. I like to be outside. So yeah, you That's hunt, I like right? Do. I do. I do. Did you have? Am I gonna get called in by like Peter or something like that? No, not from this household. I'll tell you that much. No, not at all. I love to listen. I'm a Rogan guy, so I listen to Rogan's podcast. He's all about hunting and stuff like that. I've had some. I've had uh, who's it? Chad Belding. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's like a big hunter. Had him on the podcast last year. Good friends with Chad Mendez. But no, dude, I'm all. Oh yeah, he's a big hunter. Dude, I'm all about all that stuff. How, what do you? What what do you like to do? What what type of hunting do you like to do? What's the most? So I'm. Mine's mainly waterfowl, you know, anything that flies, man. You, you throw anything up in the air, we're shooting it down. Uh, <laughs> um, but mainly, dude, like, I just love being out there, dude. I mean, we set up our blinds, we set up our decoys, and that is probably the most peaceful time and, you know, the closest, you know, you get to you, to be with the, the great kingdom that, you know, Christ created. You're, you're sitting there and you're just like, man, what a peaceful world that we tend to ruin. And I don't mean to get too deep into that, but uh, it's it's just an unbelievable time. And, you know, um, the cool thing about, you know, duck hunting is uh, you get to chat a little bit more than you do when you're uh, when you're deer hunting. Deer hunting, apparently deer are the most the smartest animals in the world and you can't blink without them knowing you're there. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, when we when we duck hunt, we just hang out and just have a good time um, with our guys. And uh, and then when it's time to shoot. You know, we try to knock them down. That's awesome. What's the best day that you've had? Oh, I'm glad you asked. That just happened this off season. Yeah. Um, so, so we had a we had a hunt where, um, so my buddy who has got a, a farm about an hour from here, uh, he went out there checked everything, and he's like, "Dude, there is like clouds of birds here. Bring everything you got." And I think what I think uh, uh, hunters would understand the story, and I don't mean to dig on you on that but uh 
It's okay. Um, I'll take so the I, 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 <laughs> no, I brought everything I could and I had all kinds of shells. You know, I read a, 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 a 12 gauge shotgun SX three. It's just a, a, your standard, you know, 12 shotgun. And I'm loading it up or sitting in the blinds and birds are coming and I load it up and I don't know this, but you know, everyone is whacking them down and I pull my sights up and boom, I mean, extremely loud kick. I hit the bird square. It was like, it's kind of flying a little bit like away from each. So just imagine like from my angle, kind of like this and away. It, it saw us, it turned away and I hit him square and it went. <clears throat> and I, I kind of like Randy Johnson hitting the pigeon. Exactly. exactly. So, so, so the odds of what I did to that is probably, I would say it's almost the same. Well, I ended up loading up a slug, a steel slug. So it's a one shot bullet and it's flying. It's probably like 20 plus yards away from me. And I squared it and everyone's kind of looking like what the heck just happened. And I pick up and it's a slug that I put in my chamber, which it's an extremely rare shot. And I was like, dude, I, I actually still have that uh, slug in my waders because I call it like our, our, our luck. It was one of the, I like to say it was a skillful shot, but it was one of the luckiest <laughs> shots I've ever had. And uh, there was no intention of me doing that. And uh, it was, a, and our, our, our dogs, like it was bringing, uh, I don't mean to get too gruesome. It was bringing like body parts back every other, oh, it was like a wing <laughs> came back. Half of the like, it was, it was pretty crazy, crazy shot. What that's freaking awesome! Well, congratulations, that's great, dude. That's awesome. No, it Listen, was, it was, it was, it's cool. I, I, I am not a hunter. I would love to. I don't. I'm not. A, I've listened. I can barely do paintball, so I don't think I'm a good shot at all. I definitely can't do do these e games with the guns either. So I'd be terrible. <laughs> but I would love to try it one day because I can almost almost imagine. Listen, we live in New York. It's terrible. I hate the people here. We just went down to South Carolina. We went to uh, Hilton Head last week with me and the family, and it was gorgeous. And everyone was so nice. I'm like, this is great. And the 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 land was just open and amazing. It's like New York is just everything's on top of each other. And I people here are just so the anxiety just builds up. So I can imagine how it is to go down, go out, out to just open land. And just 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 be able to hang watch the, and really watch the sunrise. You know, you're just hanging out. And actually, Hilton Head is my probably my number one uh, vacation spot. Is the one place I go right after season ends. Really, season ends. I go out there for a week and just kick back and and I get to go like you know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. October, early November, so uh, it's not as packed as, you know, like, shoot, like in the next couple of months when there's a tournament there. So it was super chill, and we love it. Dude, no one was there. We went – so my my wife, we just met, uh, she's a big Disney person, so everything is related to Disney. So we, we literally were in Disney about a month and a half ago – uh, in Florida, and then we went to the Disney Resort at Hilton Head. So the mm-hmm. kids had like you know they found they saw Pluto, they saw all this stuff. So it was nice, but it was just it just really is, dude. The food is amazing, by the way. I love, I love it. I love. I'm telling you, I love Hilton Head. You know that's my number one place. And the beach was completely empty, and we had a day like it was 80 degrees out. So I mean, uh, the weather was oh, great. The people, yeah, it was no. fantastic. Listen, I'm taking up too much of your time. Um, quickly, just because for baseball fans, we do want to know, first of <laughs> all, first of all, you have one of our guys on your team. How, for, how has this offseason been? Have you connected to anybody with the Cubs yet? Have you, Marcus Stroman's former Met, have you been able to even work with him at all? Is it, It's been surprising. No. It's a weird te- season, right? Yeah. No, the only thing uh, um, I've kind of been able to do is uh, on these like group texts, really. Um, I um, so a little bit background when I signed it was like November thirtieth. Yeah, we might have. We I think we might have talked like one of those days, like thirtieth, thirty first, when it came out. I was very upset. I was very upset with you. I was very upset with you. you We need catchers in New York. I know. know. (laughs) You can't be upset with me. It's not. I mean, if we could handpick things, you know. I mean, we love Chicago. It was one of the places we wanted to go, and uh, um. And then the uh, December second happened, and um, yeah. I, I, that was it. I, I didn't get to talk to anybody. Um, and I've been like on a group text with some of the guys from the Cubs, and that's literally been it. Um, I'm actually headed out headed out to Arizona uh, Monday. Just I think there's people working out, like guys are working out, and you know trying to stay ready as they can until we get the call. But um, hopefully, I'll get to meet some more guys there. Um, because I've heard even like Aaron Judge say it on, on CC Sabathia's podcast, like it's just been very, like he's tried to work out with some people locally to him, but it's just such an odd thing. How have you stayed fresh? How have you tried to stay fresh during this whole thing? Um, the same way I always do it, man. I, uh, um, I have a really awesome training group here at home. Um, the one thing is like, there is a different level of off season hitting and then spring training hitting and then getting ready for season. So, um, it's just been, you know, my arm is as ready as it can be right now. Hitting wise, I'm feeling just as good, but I mean, there's another level to that. I want to get to, you know, go see some more live pitching, but, um, you know, body's in shape. I'm, I'm almost like starting to get a, a little antsy. I've started like training a little bit differently now. The weather's nice outside. I'm running a lot more, uh, um, you know, I joked around with you earlier how we, you know, this much time alone or this much time with myself working out, I've actually like 
started training for a triathlon now. So it's like, it's kind of been like a, a crazy wow. thing. So, uh, I know. I, and this is why I need season to start. <laughs> you got to stay busy. Well, all right. So when do you think in your, I mean, it's tough for you to even say, but are you know, hopefully so. optimistic? Like when do you really think this thing's going to wrap up? Uh, you know, um, you know, as soon as possible. I mean, that's one answer I can give you. I'm going to Arizona and because um, our spring training is out there and I'm expecting to stay when I go out there. Um, but, you know, if in two weeks, it, you know, it doesn't look like it, you know, we'll turn back around. But uh, I'm hoping that it happens, you know, in the next week or two or, or whatever it is. I mean, at any point, man, we just want to play. Um, guys are ready to play. We just um, – we just want to get to the back, uh, back to the thing that we love to do. And, and listen, you know, I, I know your son loves to watch us play, and I'm excited to just get back to doing that and put some smiles on people's faces. I told you, dude. Uh, we've had these conversations before, and the kids, especially here where I live, they're all about baseball. They, we, the rec team has never been bigger. So the kids love the game. There's no reason. Why, why prevent that for them? That's why yeah. I want it to be, be back because I want the kids to get back into it. Um, Jan, I appreciate the time, man. I really do, as always. You're the best. Uh, look, is there anything else you want to promote on the side besides your triathlon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to, uh, you know, be, uh, you know, watch, watch some UFC again and uh, hopefully get this baseball season started. I appreciate it. Listen, let's go. Uh, Jan Gomes, everybody catcher of the chicago cubs how yeah, about that there you go uh again that? and we'll talk again soon Jan. thanks man absolutely thanks Pete. it was a while me and Jan haven't caught up in a while so it was it was that's probably was a little more lengthy than normal but it was awesome uh and he's got a lot of time on his hands at the moment unfortunately uh hopefully baseball comes back listen i always say this i'm a true baseball fan i'm very pissed off right now i, I want to say that i will come back but dude there's no chance that like if I'm going to go to games. It's going to happen. It just is. But let's we'll get into that another time. Let's move on. Let's keep this thing going because a very interesting interview. If you want to know the Cain Velasquez stuff, what's been going on, someone who is very well-versed in the law, in the legal side of things, criminal side of things, Amy Dash, Odyssey Insider, League of Justice. She joins me now. Here she is, Amy Day. This is the Fight Fan. We're your host, Pete Hoffman, being joined right now by Odyssey Insider League of Justice, yes. Amy Dash. What's going on? How are you doing? Good. How are you? This is I, a crazy, crazy story right now that we're about to get into. I know. It's amazing. And then the first, as soon as I it came across my ticker, I'm like, there's one person that I know can help me out, <laughs> understand you. a little bit more. It's Amy <laughs> Dash. Um, so everyone knows the first of all came out Cain Velasquez arrested for attempted murder. That's always a bad thing, no matter right. what. But as the story unfolds, you see more and more and more. Can you best explain it to us? Yeah. Of what the details that have been popping up about Cain Velasquez? So I wonder if everybody knows how involved it is. So I was actually shocked to read that. Cain uh, Velasquez was allegedly involved in this high speed chase that the police were saying went on for like 11 miles where he was in a car chasing down another car, allegedly had his a gun on him and was shooting at the other car, uh, according to the police. Right. But this really sounds like it's something out of a movie. Yeah. 
a high speed chase where you're trying to literally shoot the people in the car that you're chasing. And so he ended up, according to police, allegedly shooting someone. I'm trying to be really careful here, but the evidence is pretty strong. Um, And there were three people in the car. So it was a woman and two men. And the woman, according to the police, had run a daycare facility that Velasquez had had contracted with for two years. So figure either he was paying her to take care of his own, one of his own children or a really close relative child. So maybe like a sister or cousin, whatever. So this woman who owned the daycare facility was in the car with her son and her husband, who's the stepfather to the son. The son is like, it's like a man, it's an older man. So I guess the woman was older as well. So what police are saying is that the son of the daycare worker, who is an adult male, was recently charged with molesting one of Velasquez's relatives. And I heard it was a four-year-old. Now, Velasquez has, I believe, if I'm correct, a four-year-old son. I know he had a son in 2018. So I don't know if it was his son. I don't know if it was another relative of his, but there was a charge against this man for molesting a child. And there are reports that the molestation may have happened multiple times, possibly dozens of times. I don't know if it was one isolated incident. Some reports are saying multiple times, but either way, police did find evidence of a sexual assault on a child, which is horrendous. And and according to me, this is my opinion. It's not a legal opinion. This is my personal opinion. Any rational person would want to hurt or kill somebody who molested a child, let alone their child or their relative's child. So, I mean, would people actually do it? Should you do it? I mean, the law says no, obviously. You know, and the prosecutors are saying, well, Velasquez, they believe he was trying to kill that person. But they have to go and prove that he was trying to kill that person. And would a reasonable person, you know, take the law into their own hands? Maybe under that circumstance, some people would. Should you? No. And the prosecutor's saying it's a shame that he tried to do that. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people online, including fellow fighters, saying that this man is like a hero because and saying to free him because they can at least understand where he was coming from. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, like you said, you should never really go out and harm somebody ever in any case scenario. But, you know, you and I being a parent as well, it doesn't make a difference. I feel like right. I feel like when, when it involves kids, it's always off limits. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, but you or, have or, another perspective if you're a parent, for oh, sure. Oh, of course. But here's my question to you, because this is one thing that I, it confused me a little bit. Cain Velasquez has been arrested and he's in jail currently right now facing charges we'll find out on monday it's a pushback to monday the person that supposedly is you know is in trouble for molesting this this child it's, it's that's what it's, it's not sure no i i'm not really sure the details you you know more details about that than i do my question is why is that person not in jail right now right well i think that may have been something that possibly provoked or added fuel to the fire in this situation because there was a recommendation that the person be kept in jail who was accused of molesting children. And the judge did not follow that prosecutor's recommendation and released the person and said, you're going to go get a, a monitor and you'll be able to stay at home and be monitored and be supervised or whatever. Now, had he been kept in jail, potentially this none of this would have happened. I don't know, you know, because to me, this is a heat of passion incident. This is not 
a premeditated first degree attempted murder, which is what he's being charged with. He's going to be charged probably with first degree attempted murder. That's what I, I read. Right. That's my opinion. My opinion is the prosecutor is getting this way wrong because you can have a heat of passion killing. You don't have to be provoked in that moment. You can be provoked over a long period of time. It doesn't have to be something that immediately happened. Like you get into a fight with somebody, you try to kill them. No, like it could be short, the, the, the period of time of provocation, or it could be long. And the test is would a reasonable person in that circumstance feel that they would want to also harm or kill that person? Did they? Did they I think in this circumstance, yeah. If I were the prosecutor, I would be charging with us with a um, attempted manslaughter voluntary manslaughter, which is a heat of passion crime. And, and now all, everything that we're talking about, is that all jail time or is there a potential way that Cain Velasquez can avoid jail at any, at any cost? Well, there's a huge difference in jail time based on the charge. And if so if he were convicted at first degree attempted murder, which means he planned it, it was deliberate. And by the way, they're saying a gun was involved. They, they confiscated guns from him, that there were shell casings at the scene, that the guns were loaded. You know, in California, the, the use of a gun enhances the penalties. So on a first degree attempted murder that's premeditated, it's proven that you intended to kill that person. You could already face life in jail with with the possibility of parole, but it's life. Now you involve a gun. California has the 1020 life gun enhancement to try to prevent the use of guns. So just by firing the gun, you get 20 additional years on your sentence. And just by hurting somebody either you kill them or you cause serious bodily injury you could get uh 25 additional years on your sentence for up to life so he could already be facing life right now with the first degree attempted murder charge then you've got the gun you've got proof of the gun it's a really bad situation for him now if the prosecutor looked at the situation and said this is a heat of the moment and charge that voluntary manslaughter. Or if a jury finds that he was charged wrongly and they find voluntary manslaughter, which they could do because it's lesser charge, he would face like a maximum of five years. I mean, but still totally different sentencing there. Maximum of five years lifetime. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's huge difference for sure. What compare that to what the person is being, you know, potentially faced with the child molestation. Yeah, I mean, so so the scenario could be Keith, that the 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 person who allegedly molested either goes free or is convicted and serves like very little time. And Cain Velasquez, who tries to hurt or kill the alleged molester, is in jail for life. That's sort of the situation we're looking at now. Amy, how is that even possible? That doesn't make any sense. Because and the prosecutor is choosing, in my opinion. Uh, the wrong charge at first degree premeditated. And here's why, because so he could, he could say he was trying to defend himself, right? Self-defense, the prosecutor saying that he doesn't see any evidence of it just by loading a gun. So you have to take a direct step towards trying towards killing somebody. It's not enough to plan. You have to take a step, obviously chasing somebody in a car and shooting a gun at them and, and then injuring them. That's a direct step. There you go. Loading the gun uh, is it can be proof of premeditation and planning. So maybe the prosecutor feels like I have all I need to prove this charge. But if you're looking at it from a human perspective and you're looking at the circumstances of there's a man, an adult man accused of molesting a four-year-old child, either his son or a relative of his, 
he goes off the handle and tries to either hurt or kill this person. Well, then maybe you're thinking, okay, this person was provoked. So this is a second, this is a, a involuntary or voluntary manslaughter charge, heat of passion crime. And therefore I'm not going to go after this person for life. I'm going to go after them for like five years. They shouldn't have taken the law into their own hands, but like a reasonable person may have done the same thing, you know? So I think he's, I think he's being overcharged. Is it possible? That's my opinion. Is it, is it possible the prosecutor goes in there, knows the person that he's, and again, this is, this is, I, I don't really know if it's off the record stuff. I don't really know, but like this, cause you know this stuff better than I do. Is it possible that a prosecutor can go in there going, my client is a piece of shit part part of my language, but, but my clients right now that I have to protect is not a good person. Let me overcharge this, this, this person that I'm prosecuting. No, he's never going to get max. No, he's never going to get life. And whatever happens, it's fine. Like could they just completely throw out the case? Or no, is that that's it? So the prosecutors technically representing the people of the state of California. Obviously, the people of the state of California have an interest in law and order and also guns, you know, the involvement of guns. They're really tough on that in that state. Um, the person that was seriously injured and shot wasn't the alleged molester. It was like the stepfather that happened to be in the car and was injured. So really, I, I believe the prosecutor is saying, you attempted to kill the stepfather. He has to prove intent to kill. The problem in California is you don't have to prove attempt intent to kill a specific person. You have to just prove intent to kill anyone in the car. They have something called the kill zone theory, um, where if you inadvertently kill someone else while you're trying to kill a different person, you are still liable for the murder or the attempted murder, even though maybe you intended to kill A and you actually killed or injured B, which is sounds like is possibly what happened in this situation. The intent basically like transfers over because yeah. it to them it doesn't matter because you're endangering all the people in the uh, zone in that kill zone. So you know they have an interest in that. So but they do have to prove by the way intent to kill. So there, there does have to be an intent to kill someone. Maybe it's not that person. So listen, how are they going to how are they going to prove that he intended to kill them? Maybe he can say as his defense, I just wanted to scare them or I just wanted to injure them. And they have to prove that the intent was to actually kill. Now, if he just injures, he wouldn't be facing that first degree attempted. Maybe it would be like a second degree charge that he could get. And that could be like five, seven or nine years. So there are ways he can try to do it. I don't think self-defense is going to be a viable defense here. But I think trying to either prove that it was heat of the moment or that there was no actual intent to kill, th that's the play in terms of how to defend himself. So the one thing that we never touched on, because you you pointed out it's 11-mile chase. You know, there were shots fired. It was crazy. It was high-speed chase. Three people yeah. in the car. How did this start? Where did this wind up? I heard originally, this is the original story that I heard, was that it was at a school setting like it was was on a playground or something like that i'm not sure if that's even remotely true but but, <laughs> I don't think but, so. but but how did velasquez where did this chase start was it at the preschool was it at the daycare um, was it so where was it so i think the guy got out right and he had to go to the court the alleged molester and get his uh ankle monitor so i'm pretty sure he was on his way 
either to get his ankle monitor or heading home to be on house arrest. And that's when Velasquez came. But I actually have like the exact uh, statement of facts here. So basically, uh, let's see. So it showed that Velasquez followed the victim, the daycare. So apparently the daycare owner, a female is also listed here as a victim and her husband from their residence Mm. in San Martin to Morgan Hill and then to San Jose, where he began shooting at the automobile. So they were at their residence. Now, I don't know if they were picking up the the son was in the car. Um, So I don't know if the son was with them going from the residence and he, but listen, he knows the residence because she's operating operating a daycare facility and he contracted with her for two years to take care of a child there. So he knows where she lives. So I right. guess he went to the house. That's what it's saying. Duh. Yeah, that's great. That is, that, I mean, you talk about some of the craziest stuff in the world. And as a parent, as an adult, as someone that, you know, what, whatever it is, again, when it's involving kids, it it, it is, it, I'm sure, no matter, even if you lived an hour away, it probably still was a, a, a passion, a heat of the moment type of thing where he probably got in the car and was like, I'm going to go and, and find this person. Whatever. It is what it is. Well, that's I, what I'm saying is, is it, Maybe it looks like planning because it's like, oh, all this amount of time has passed. He could have cooled down. He could have thought about it. But that's not how it operates under the law. It's not about the amount of time. There can be a long period of heat of passion if you're sufficiently provoked. This is a very like provocative uh, allegation against possibly his son or if not his son, then a close relative. It was a it was a close relative of his and it was a four year old child or a young child. Maybe I don't know if that. That number is exactly correct, but it was did, a child. Did they say, um, again, molestation is molestation, mm-hmm. but you know how like the, the details have been, been out about Cain Velasquez and what they found had he did, you know, and how he followed him. Did the details of the molestation come out? There, there, police said there was evidence of a sexual assault after interviewing the child and after doing the investigation of the daycare facility where the alleged molester lived in that house with his mother who was operating the daycare facility. So he lived there. He had access to the children. There were 20, 20 children going in and out of that daycare facility as of lately. And who knows how many children in the class before that. So it's unclear how many potential victims there could be. If in fact, this guy did what he's accused of, but, um, just to me, I can't think of anything that would provoke me more than somebody hurting a child, especially a, a child that's, if that's true, if the child was four years old, come on. I mean, this guy is, uh, the guy who's accused, I'm wondering how old he is. I think he was like 40s, 50s. I got to look, but that's that's just if that's true that is horrendous is that, you know, the, so. is that is that the reason why they too also don't put guys like that in jail because i've heard like there's even in jail even in you know jail cells and whatnot there's like this whole thing of like you know you you, you kill somebody whatever it's machismo you know there's different criteria but anything involved with kids even in jail it's like you there people look at you differently even the, yeah. the other other you know people are, are looking at you as a, as a different person and someone that they don't even want to be part of. So is that why they <laughs> right. you're even, you're even like, uh, yeah, black labeled by the criminals, by some yeah. worst so, violent criminals. They don't even, 
one and you have the scarlet letter in jail that's what i've heard i don't know so is that why is that why they put they decided to put him on house arrest rather than have him sit in a jail cell too because i feel like that's dirtier like I understand this the, that Velasquez went out with a crime of passion no, or whatever. It I don't is. think it's I don't think it's because they care about his safety. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> you, you never know. It's just it would be a pretty compassionate judge. I don't know. I just I found well, the opposite to be true. But but you know what? Like here in New York, there's a guy who literally I was watching the story last night on the news was smearing feces in people's faces. Did you see that? Right. No, but I, and, I heard about it. <laughs> I oh, my God. Right. And the guy gets out like, he, no, there's no bail anymore. I know. He's like, oh, and he's done it twice or he's at least been in, in and out of jail like twice recently. And he's attacking people in the subway, innocent people and putting feces in their face. Why is this guy allowed out without bail? Listen, I'm not going to get into the, the controversial bail or no bail. But if you're committing violent crimes, I think it's just common sense that you should, you know, you should probably be kept in jail, whether you meet bail or not. Maybe it's not an economic issue. It's just like a safety issue for the public. There was I, video I, of it too. There was actual video. I know. I saw, I, I, I heard that there was a video. I've heard people talk about it. It was on Boomer and Geo this morning. Oh, I didn't, I, I almost, didn't hear that. Were they talking about it? Yeah, because because Jerry was making a joke to hit one of the coaches that that he, uh, he, he does play-by-play for, for Rutgers and he was telling the coach about it. And the coach was like, what did you just say? The guy did what? <laughs> It's oh just, God. it's just, yeah, it's just, the world is becoming, let me ask you something, because you've, you've been the same world as we have over the past two years. Have you heard about crazier crimes and stuff like that over since the pandemic or? Yeah, people are under incredible stress, but also in New York, it's just become like the wild west on the streets of New York. I mean, it was bad when I, I lived in the city for a long time and I lived just outside the city, but. It was bad. I remember when I lived there and I was reporting the news for the local WCBS, there was somebody um, who was who had a syringe and was infecting people with like an HIV concoction, like like literally sticking random people with the syringe. There were horrific stories. You know, some guy like pummeled somebody to death with a brick. It was always dangerous in the city. Mm-hmm. I remember a guy randomly stabbed a pregnant woman like two blocks from my from where I lived. It was always dangerous. But what's happened now is like, you can't even step foot in the subways. Like there was always that expectation of, oh, late at night or maybe certain areas. And now it's like wherever you go, especially the subways, there's just too many violent people. And it's the same problem that existed when I was a reporter. There's something called EDPs, emotionally disturbed persons. And the court system's not equipped to deal with them. I remember there was one guy in Soho who was a drug addict and he was like, you know, stabbing people and doing all these crazy things. And they would put him in for a couple months, let him out. Then, and what happens is, is something called broken windows theory that was like way back in Giuliani administration. And, and it's the idea of it, you know, the idea that petty criminals can escalate their conduct if you don't like punish them for their crimes. So if somebody gets away with something, now they're going to do something worse and something worse. So maybe someone's a drug addict and they start out, you know, like, like beating people up, but then it escalates. They don't, they get, they don't get punished. They're put back on the street. So then it turns into killing people, stabbing people, you know? So I think there's a problem with the legal system in most major cities, but I'm familiar in New York with the fact that there's, you can't involuntarily commit somebody. There are a lot of people with severe mental health issues with drug problems, and you can't keep them in jail for long periods of time. Um, So there's just, and even if you do, you let them out, it's the same problem. 
there's no way to fix that problem. So there needs to be more services for these people to help them with the problems that are causing them to cause crimes in the in the first place. I, I two cents, but I have listen. I have plenty of people that are cops, uh, very close relatives that are NYPD. Um, used to actually be on the uh, on the you know the subway line and stuff like that, but he's now like child molestation, which is just as bad. <laughs> it oh did, my gosh. He's a detective and stuff like that. It, but wow. I'm like, so it's like I'm like I'm happy he's at a tough. one end, but now he's doing that. And he's like, it's it's all it's just terrible. It's all terrible stuff. And they've yeah. made some amazing arrests because it's like you know the, these things happen on a regular basis. It's scary. Yeah, um, and I remember a cop too got uh, there was an EDP who had been arrested like 40 times and kept getting put back on the streets. And he took a pen or a pencil and he stabbed the cops, the co- cop's eye out. Mm. Mm. Cop like lost vision in his eye. Yeah. I, it, listen, like, you, come on, you, you have this guy and you know, he's dangerous. You know what I mean? This just puts everybody at risk. So there's gotta be a better system. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully mayor Adams can help out with that because it is just, it is, it is bad. And listen, I don't know if when's the last time you've been in New York city. I mean, just the I was t- just there, like a couple oh, you, ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been, I see, the, see they're in a pandemic. I've been in there this whole time, so I've yeah. seen it all. Mm-hmm. Even like where I am, West Village, like you've been there. It's it's a gorgeous area, or at least it was. It's it's dying, like yeah. it literally, like businesses are failing, they're closing down. There's literally piss and shit everywhere. It's it's right. It's there's trash. I, I noticed that when I was there a couple of days. There was trash everywhere. I either smell the trash or I smell the weed for the, the CBD oil and the weed products from those, from those trucks. And by the way, my kids are like, Oh, lollipops. Candy. <laughs> I'm like, what are these weed trucks with like lollipops on them doing all over the street? What the hell? <laughs> Listen, I gotta, here? I gotta be honest. I don't mind the weed smell sm- so much, but I'm also not with the kids <laughs> when I'm walking the streets. So I, I get right. it. But at uh, least listen, make the truck a little bit more inconspicuous. How about that? Yeah. Do, yeah, do us that favor, please. Uh, one thing I did see, which was scary. And it was in Seattle. There was like a line of just like people like doing drugs and like just in a very high populated area. It's a line of like people just sitting there all like cracked out. And I haven't seen it that bad in, since in a very long time. Now I, I'm sure there's places like that in New York, but I haven't seen it. Thank God. Yeah. But I feel like we're getting back to that, which is just no good. And I don't know, again, this is a bigger issue. There's so many big issues right now. Um, but let's get back to sports because that's yeah. at least my. And my by the way, just so you know, like I'm very sensitive to these issues. People with mental health problems, like a lot of people in the streets, are veterans who came yeah. back with PTSD. They get addicted to alcohol or drugs. They're literally missing limbs. Like there are some people that need a lot of help that are living on the streets. I absolutely think we should we should do that. But when people turn violent, they turn dangerous, and you're sticking them in prison for a month or two, and then putting them back out. You just you're not accomplishing anything. Well, Amy, that's funny because the one thing I talk to a lot of these fighters, right? I do interviews with tons of fighters. Yeah. And the one thing I always ask, and maybe not in the interview, but like afterwards, I say, hey, by the way, how is it like, you know, does UFC, does MMA, does does Bellator, whoever it is, whatever promotion it is, do they do something for fighters after they're out of the promotion or even while they're in the promotion, while they're going through issues? Because they clearly are like a guy like Mike Perry. I know he probably doesn't right. want to, if he ever hears this, probably kill you or me, not kill, but would verbalize. <laughs> I'm not verbalize, saying anything. <laughs> yeah. We'll verbalize his hate towards us. But regardless, right. like he's gone up and down through many issues. And mm-hmm. I asked the people, I said, has anybody offered him help? And there's really not like a great answer. You talk about veterans, 
that that went overseas or whatever or here just going through all that stuff but fighters are the same in the same boat too oh, but they but they yeah. put themselves on a, out on the line every day yeah i mean when i was the legal correspondent for inside mma so i did a lot of those pieces on fighters and i remember um a josh the man i interviewed and he had you know a, he ended up dying unfortunately yeah, no, way too young and he was such a wonderful wonderful guy like i just left that interview being like i love this guy he has such a love for life he's such a bubbly person he's so friendly to everybody he's so wise he's been through so much but he lost his girlfriend in a terrible like uh texting while driving accident i believe and and he had drug problems and stuff like that and um that was well known and so yeah i feel like it's either you know, drug, what I've seen from fighters that I've interviewed, you know, either they have drug problems, they have, a lot of them have money problems. Like I, I remember I interviewed one fighter who was homeless and had a daughter and he couldn't even like, they can't afford healthcare. Most of them, most of them don't make a lot of money. They get like one fight a year, if that, and maybe they get paid like 10, $15,000 or something like that. So they all have so many problems, you know, just making ends meet let alone sustaining the injuries that might cause other health problems or mental problems. You get hit in the head or, you know, just, it, it's really tough. And, and I, so what my point is, I don't think the UFC is even paying them enough to live. Most of them. I know a lot of them have other jobs, like they're trainers and gyms and things like that. So I don't even think they can make ends meet, let alone getting money for services like, uh, proper health care or mental health services or alcohol or drug addiction help or anything like that or retirement. Like, no, you know, this is like, it's, it's crazy. Cause it's the, the top of the sport. If you consider it a sport, that's a, the debate, but um, yeah, only like the top, what one or 2% are actually making all that money. And then the rest of them, it's, it's almost like a hobby for them. Yeah, no. And, the, and you got to think about the mental strain it takes. If you are, doing all these other odd jobs, whether you're, you know, training people yourself and trying to train at the same time and trying to stay afloat. And it's just mentally wearing to then go in there and then say, lose right. pennies. It's just, right. it's, it's, is it worth it? But to them it is. It's just a very, it's a it's tough their passion. Exactly. And again, I'm a passionate fan for it. So I want to make sure that they're all taken care of that. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I don't want to see these people in five, 10, even tomorrow go off and do stupid stuff because my, they're going out for quote unquote, my entertainment. They're going out for their pride, whatever it is. Yeah. I want them to be taken care of. Well, um, especially when the, the UFC is raking in like billions of dollars. Oh yeah. Oh, they make it, they sold for four, four plus billion dollars a, right. a few years ago. It's like, they're they're making ton of money. Someone's making a ton of money, and it's not the fighters. And that's the same thing. Now it's funny how we tie that into baseball because. Yeah. And by the way, that but before you go on the Muhammad Ali act, that's why a lot of people are pushing to try to apply that to the MMA. Is that even how likely is that possible? I don't know. I mean, I spoke to Rashid Ali once in Vegas, Muhammad Ali's daughter, and she was like, he created that act for the fighters so that they would have health care they would have retirement that they would have the means to take care of themselves in their old age after everything that they've been through so it would seem nice to be able to apply that to mixed martial arts but i don't know i, mm -hmm. I think it's you know that and the um, antitrust suit and the unionization of fighters i was covering the push for that stuff back 
like what is it now was it like 2015 like seven years ago six yeah. or seven years ago they haven't come very far have they no they haven't and then unions are powerful which would be nice if they the fighters can get one but right. it doesn't seem possible but now we look yeah. at and this is where we're tying to it's a great time to the baseball thing because yeah Amy, diehard, I'm diehard MMA fan, but I am born bred baseball fan and I'm dying. I literally am dying. And I understand what's going on and I understand how important and impactful it is for the baseball players to get what they want. But I also understand that um, owners aren't going to give everything. How, in your opinion, you know, there, I, I see this going on for a long time. Okay, I see that baseball players have a stronger union, I think, than they've than they've, than they've ever had. That they're mm-hmm. going to stick to their guns this time around. And I see that the the top dogs, the top one percent of MLB that has all that money, like the Max Scherzers of the world, the Mike Trout's of the world. I know they have a pool. I know these players are making some money in the meantime. They're not much. You're making like five thousand dollars a month, or whatever. Yeah. But if they do hit hard times, I feel like some of these top players will give down some extra cash, some of these people, some of these players to keep this thing going as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I don't think it's in anyone's best interest for that to happen. But obviously it's, it's sort of like um, when you've invested so much into going so far to fight for your rights. It's funny. I was watching Newsies today. Have you ever seen Newsies? Uh, have You're I like, seen Newsies? I live. <laughs> it's like my favorite. I, I wanted to show it to my daughter, and I love that movie um, with Christian you're, you're, Bale, the original. Oh, of course, please. And tra- I believe one of the guys from South Park is in it too. I think I can't remember which one. Um, oh, really? I believe so. I can't remember which one. I have to look back at it. And then, but you're you're the movie. You're not the Broadway show, right? My wife I've, is all I've about the Broadway. I've seen the Broadway show, which is great, but nothing compares to the original movie, which is what I watched today again. Yeah. King of the King, King of New York. Let's go. I, yeah, I and it. yeah, and I love New York. Like they've got the accent, and then Brooklyn comes from the waterfront, and they defend them and everything like that. But it reminded me a, bit, a little bit. I was thinking like MLB uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because you know. They, they had to go on strike. Now, was it easy for them? No, the Newsies had to eat, right? They had to feed their families. Um, so you think a lot of these baseball players that are staying with MLBPA and, and fighting for their rights, like not all of them are making the amount of money that some of the big stars are making. But um, I think that, that at this point, the game has changed so much that finally, and also with the way they, they got, you know, um, the shorthand of the stick with the pandemic and how they shortened the season. And then they had to agree to um, take less money and sort of like the players had to eat a lot of the cost of the lack of revenue to the league during that time. And then later finding out that the league still made a lot of money. So it's not fair to like pass that on to the, uh, the players. Um, So, yeah, I think at this point, they realize they have the leverage because they can make the game better. Like it's, it's not as exciting as it used to be. Things need to change. And, you know, with everything that happened with the pandemic, I think like they they're looking to make things just more fair moving forward because they were just tired of taking a beating from, from MLB. Um, I think they have a good chance of, of getting a lot of the things that they want if they, if they hold out. 
But obviously that's going to be a detriment to a lot of people, because like I said, not a lot of them are making hundred million dollar contracts, you know? So you really have to like the newsies, you really have to have everybody on board. Even the, even the newsies that like had to feed their families, they had to suck it up for the greater good. And if you'll remember the newsies that tried to come and sell the papers, everybody crowded around them and beat oh, you know what out of them. Amy, not papers, <laughs> papes. The papes, papes, right. I'm sorry, the papes. All right, all right. They got a real beating. So um, I think they have that united front. At least there's probably like a lot of internal you know, power struggle going on where the, where the players that can afford it are amping up the players that can't, you know, like now's the time to seize the day kind of thing. I cannot believe that somehow I'm talking about newsies on a podcast. I'm very excited about this. This <laughs> is making newsies. me very happy. It's my favorite up, movie, by the way. Ask me if I, it's, I don't know if it's my favorite. I'm a horror movie guy. I'm a comedy guy. So like I'm a nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, comedies. I'm like, oh, I space. hate that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. Which I, I think, love musicals. <laughs> because it takes you away from all the the craziness that you read and do research on. So I ended up exactly, exactly. Um, period I, pieces. Bridgerton's coming back out. I've never watched that. Is that good? Is it? Is Bridgerton's it, good. Yeah, a little romance, a little pomp and circumstance. No, see, I'm into Dexter. That's like oh, my okay. Thing. No, I can't. I can't because you know I was a crime reporter and now I cover all the legal. You want to get the arrest, the attempted murder by Cain Velasquez. I'm like, I need to just leave that at the door. <laughs> Give me Mrs. Maisel like all day long. <laughs> um, listen, before we go, I have one last question again. Amy Dash with us, uh, Odyssey Insider, League of Justice. Let, let's get to the Deshaun Watson stuff because there, there's going to be a court, quarterback carousel in the NFL. Um, and Deshaun Watson seems to still be a huge name that may be on the move. It seems like a lot of people want him, but just his case is holding yeah. everything up. I've heard April 1st as a, not saying a deadline, but some news may break April 1st. What can, yeah. what, 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 what may we hear? Well, his attorney said that they believe by April 1st, the district attorney will decide whether to bring criminal charges or not. To me, I think that's pretty much the deciding factor on whether he has at least an immediate future of playing in the league, because I think if he does get indicted, usually that would put him on the commissioner's exempt list. And then that process could go on for a really long time, depending on the charges. But normally if a grand jury indicts, it's on felony, not necessarily misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. Um, And the felonies charges are more serious. So he would have to defend against that. So I think that that would probably take him out of the running. If that happens before April 1st, maybe, Teams are waiting before deciding whether to trade for him to see if there are criminal charges. And then if there aren't, I think even though there's like 20 some odd um, civil suits, the teams, at least from a playing perspective, putting morals aside, uh, are less concerned about that because the, the consequence of that is monetary damages. So those cases can work their way through the legal system for years, potentially, but he would probably be able to play if the NFL doesn't find doesn't suspend him or find him like guilty, you know, in their little criminal jurisdiction, criminal court that they created. What's the likelihood of, of him getting off scot-free from the courts, uh, but then, you know, the NFL coming down saying, we're going to have to suspend you X amount of time for, for whatever, you know, whatever we've found, we still have to give you some well, sort of fun. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I, I don't know. I don't know how the NFL is sifting through all this evidence. The discovery in court is going on for months and months and months. So how are they, you know, apparently they've interviewed a bunch of these women um, and then they have to make their own determination. To me, that's always just been a really like, a really strange process. I don't understand how they come to this determination in a situation like this. If you have like a Ray Rice video where he's punching somebody in an elevator, sure, you have direct evidence. You see exactly what happens. You make your determination. But they have these investigators, like similar with Ezekiel Elliott, where they're going and they're talking to people. What happened? Well, he says this, she says this, you know, and how do you know what happened inside the rooms? You don't know. So they have to make their own decision and then a lot of times, as we've seen in the past, players will fight that if there's no direct evidence, because they'll be like, you're destroying my reputation, whether it's true or not. You don't have a right to do that and basically convict me of something that I wasn't convicted of in a criminal court. You're convicting me of a crime in the court of public opinion. Right. You know, it's it's money seems to solve everything. Is that naive to say, like, if, if you have because and you tell me it's just a it's just a false you know, reality that I'm thinking of. Like I watch a show like Ray Donovan, for example. I know it's a little okay. different. It's more it's more about celebrities and, sh- and and stuff that happens behind the scenes there. But in sports and in, in all walks of life, there's always things that you're uncovering going, oh, that's pretty slimy or this is pretty sick and twisted. And there's always someone covering up. We saw that with, you know, the Washington football teams, Washington commanders. Now, yeah. uh, you know, we see like a lot of things going on that people just kind of clean up or n- ignore in sports, how often does that happen where things are getting swept aside or just getting paid off and we never see it? I think it depends on the circumstances. It, maybe it depends on the player. Maybe it depends on how much legal. Is it an owner that's really wealthy? Who do they know? Who's loyal to them? Um, I think there was a, a woman who was just hired to investigate, reinvestigate this whole situation with the latest allegations against Dan Snyder, since you brought that up. And she was the person who had investigated Jerry Richardson. And we saw that after that investigation, he was pressured to sell the team. So perhaps, you know, the NFL maybe was, I don't know, they've hidden all that evidence, so we don't know. But let's say there was something incriminating against Snyder, maybe because he's wealthier, he had certain connections, they were covering it up, but then public pressure came to a point where they can't anymore. So now they're going to try to use this investigator to pressure him to sell the team by digging up stuff on him. Who knows? But if you're talking about like in a court of law, money can sometimes help. It doesn't always help. I've seen that if you don't have money, you that's bad. You're at a, a big disadvantage. Like I, I saw a kid once who literally lent his car keys to a roommate of his. And the roommate went off and drove a couple miles away with some other guys that he didn't know. And they ended up killing somebody, unfortunately. And he had like one day trial in Florida with a public defender or some defender that wasn't very good. And he was put in jail, like life without the possibility of parole. It ended up getting commuted to 25 years, but I've seen like poor people really have horrible defenses and either get convicted for crimes that they didn't commit or get like these ridiculous sentences or be convicted under these archaic laws with harsh penalties. And it's less likely for that to happen if you have money. But I've also seen wealthy people like the NFL player, um, Justin Bannon, who was just convicted of first degree attempted murder in Colorado had like a high priced defense attorney, but it just so happened that in Colorado, you know, this was a, a crime with a gun 
Colorado, we know a lot of gun things have happened there. Maybe the jury wasn't so sympathetic to this player, even though he had money. So I think a lot factors into it. It could be the place, it could be the jury, it could be the crime, it could be the evidence, you know, and in the NFL, same thing. You have no idea what is actually influencing things. So sometimes money helps. If you don't have money, you're in a really bad position. Usually, if you're relying on like a public defender or something, but money doesn't always help. Does sound like though that there's some shady stuff happening pretty much all the time in sports or celebrity world, you know, just, and it's always getting swept under paid off or whatever the case is. Final question for you. Did Epstein kill himself? Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I'm not even going to guess on that. Sorry. I I have no idea. That's like out of nowhere. I know. I'm sorry. Are you watching like one of the law and orders where they take the real life? You know how the, the, the crime shows and the legal shows, you know, a lot of them, base their storylines on real things that happened oh yeah oh yeah so was that is that why that came to mind Were you no i just or? i just i no i just it's one of those things where i mean it's one of the always the, the question i always hear uh there's always a joke at the end of things but i'm like you know what like out of all the people in the world you seem like <laughs> someone that i might be able to get like a, a real honest answer from it, it, <laughs> and i agree with the question <laughs> where i it's one of those things because i'm okay so molestation sex trafficking stuff like that oh, molestation yeah. those things to me are some of the the worst things in the world so that's i guess kane velasquez all this stuff kind of kind of brings up to that point so i i'm so sick and i watched that documentary a long time ago but the single, i actually i stayed away from that documentary see you're good you're you're on the happier things you're probably <laughs> onto the uh, the tinder but i agree with you because i've covered those stories with the sex trafficking of children like i've covered that in real life yeah, it's it's, so, it's, it's it's horrible. It's, and by the way, it happens with Super Bowls, like a big sex trafficking. I know. I, I I but that's the thing is, this is something. That's why what's their name, Giselle Maxim, or what? what I forgot. Um, his partner that they have arrested. And oh she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like she should be protected at all costs because I feel like you can open her up and get all the details of what he was going to spew. So she should be like priority number one to save and make sure that you know no one touches her and that she's safe because that type of world like i'm just that makes me bother that that pisses me off like there's there's crimes everywhere but that type of stuff is is like for the innocent people out there who are being stolen and sex sex trafficking it's disgusting it's gross yeah it's crazy i that was actually came up the other day i was talking to somebody who was defending Alan Dershowitz, I think, against the allegation that he was involved with that. And the lawyer was like, Alan, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but he was like, Alan was helping him with a legal matter, but he wasn't involved with that stuff. So he was defending him against the allegation because anyone who had even a remote connection to this guy, it was assumed they were involved with his activities. So some maybe were, some maybe weren't. I don't know who was or who wasn't, but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Hopefully. By the way, I hope that I don't get a lot of criticism where it's like I was asked these serious questions about this big standoff between MLB and MLBPA, and I like completely diverted to a Newsies recap. No, no, it's definitely going to be in the comments. Like this, this legal analyst doesn't answer the questions. She's talking about her love for Broadway musicals. But Newsies is great, so I yes. understand <laughs> that, and I'll, I'm going to buy into that. Uh, I think the cast was unbelievable. You go through <laughs> up and down that cast. First of all, the uh, one of the kids was from Doogie Howser. 
Okay. Yes. Yes. What Max, was his name? Yeah. Max something. I forget his last name. Yes. I was trying to place him today, and I couldn't remember where you just did that for me. Right. Thank and you. then if you if you ever saw RoboCop two, uh, the kid I that didn't pl- see him. okay, so the kid that played Brooklyn, the kid from Brooklyn. Okay. Yes. Love that he, kid. He was in RoboCop two. Oh, Aaron he, Lord. He's in other things too. I he looks familiar to me. Yeah. Aaron Lord, I think is, is the another actor. He was in Mighty Ducks. Two. Oh, they're, they're, I they're, love that these one. kids float. Yeah, no, these kids float around. They're right. all there. And then Christian Bell, freaking the best yeah. Batman out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking, yeah, because I, someone was asking me that I was watching with, how old is this movie? I showed them a picture of Christian Bale. And they were like, oh my God, he's so, yeah. so much older now. And he was yes. like so young when that happened. But yeah, which, that's the best. Which picture of Christian Bale did you show them? The one where he was really skinny? In that movie thinner or whatever not thinner but oh some, oh some no no that one came up, up and i was like yeah, uh, no, no it was this one it was it was this one. Oh, he's so handsome <laughs> how about this one this i guess he's i don't Dude, know i, lo- I love like Bell. a real stash or is he preparing for a role i think he's just chilling he's going on a date taking his mom somewhere <laughs> that's for sure yeah you're talking about this one. Oh, i loved him in this movie what was this movie um this is the this is the gross one. Yeah, where he was like a druggie or whatever. It's not here. American Psycho, that's for sure. What's the other one? What's the is that the Dallas? It was Jennifer Lawrence where he won the where the, didn't they win an award for that one? They did win something. I just don't remember the name of the movie. Oh, listen, yeah. I'm a Christian Bale guy. I think he's yeah, he's awesome. great. He's the but, best Batman. I love him American Psycho. I love him and everything. So the songs I mean, are just incredible, but. I don't know. I mean, what what do you want to happen with the MLBPA stuff? What do you want them to win on, and what do you want? No, them I just to want play? to be honest with you, Amy. You I just want them to play. You, I want. I mean, you don't feel that the game needs improvement in terms here, here, of like here's the getting thing. actual action on the field. That there's just too many hits, and then like the shifting and the outfield and everything. So, like so if you want to tell me that you're going to ban the shift, fine, whatever. I don't care. There's certain aspects of it that I do not do. I don't really care enough about. Like, if you want to change aspects of the game that you think are boring, fine. But reality is, like, again, like, my 12-year-old is a huge baseball fan. And Mm -hmm. I ask him, I go, point blank, what don't you like about baseball? Mm -hmm. I don't like when my team loses. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) What else don't you like about baseball? What really bothers you? Nothing. He likes the game. He doesn't oh, really. It's not too bored. slow for him. No. And that's the thing is that it's it's the adults who are bored with it because we have so many other things going. Listen, what baseball was, or when baseball was at, at the height, what were people doing? They didn't have phones in their hands. They didn't have all this other right. stuff right. to take them away from the game. So yeah, we could sit there for three four hours because what else are we doing now? It's like everything is like. Right now, it's it's immediate. Yeah. I have my phone in my hand. But you t- ask somebody who goes to a basketball game, is their phone in their hand at a basketball game too? No, the game just finishes quicker. It's faster. So, yeah. So are they watching everything? No, but when they look up, there's a basket. So, I mean, to me, it for people that don't like baseball how it is now, if the rules do change, I still don't think you're going to get them to watch. Yeah. So that's what about bothers What me. about like the arbitration? Do you think that's fair? No, I uh, get their salary at the market value through an arbitration. Amy, are you a, what, what baseball fan are you? Are you a Yankee, Met fan? Are you well now? Time? I like the Mets because I kind of like what the franchise is doing. I like Steve Cohen and, and everything like board. that, and like the Scherzer sign, and it's exciting. I felt that this period that has felt like this like rush for free agency where it was really competitive 
that that was really exciting. And that got me more into baseball. I was never like a huge baseball person because it was a slow game. I played softball. I love playing softball. By the way, I sh- when we play softball, we shift like very little, like you're supposed to shift a little bit. You don't like do these deep shifts. So I feel right. like I want the game that I'm watching to be similar to the game that I grew up playing, but um, watching it slow, I'm a huge basketball person. Cause I need that. I love that fast paced stuff back and forth, but yeah, Yankees. No, I like, I used to love Derek Jeter. I was like a huge Yankee fan, but I'll watch more if it's more exciting. And so I think if you did like an NBA style uh, draft, like a lottery draft, that would make it more exciting. Some of these changes I'm for, like I would love the playoffs and being able to get into the playoffs to be more competitive. I would love all that stuff. I think that, I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to say that I'm all about all the, the extra teams going to the playoffs. I'm not excited about all the rules and regulations they want to change, but I can understand why they want to do it. Yeah. But I, what it comes down to is like, we're, you asked me like certain things about the arbitration stuff. I, I asked you what team you like, because for example, Aaron Judge is somebody who he's going to be 30 years old. Yeah. He has never signed a huge contract. He's been in arbitration all these years. Yeah, it's he's, not fair. He's combined for like maybe $20 million, which to you and I is like, okay, great. Like $20 million. Hey, that's kind of nice. That would yeah. be a great career. But in baseball sense, he's 30 years old and it's on a contract and he's going to want a lot of money. Why right. is it taking until 30 years old to make that money? He's right. the face of an organization for about four or five years now. Right. You no, know? I agree. So that's where I, I, I do have compassion for them. Listen, I have compassion for everybody. I also understand that they do, do pay a lot of these players a lot of money, but right. I also have, I also have compassion for the vendor that sits there and, and asks for money. Like, you know, is that's their job and they can't work right now because baseball and that's the players true. can't. So there's a lot of different layers. So I just yeah. want, I just want baseball to get back there. Cause the biggest thing is Amy in a sport that's dying. Mm-hmm. Cause it is, it is a sport that's dying the only way to get it back into the public is by playing games and getting good news attached to it. Right now, there's been none. In the past two years, two, three years, there has been great news. We played a 60-game season. We played last year, 162, with um, a lot of, you know, with no fans in, in the crowd, basically, for the first half of it. And now you're going to, you know, lose games again because of money. It's just right. it's not a good look. Do you think the Yankees are going to get Carlos Correa? No, I think they should. I don't think they will. You don't think they will? No. You know, it's interesting because I follow them on Instagram and they just had a baby. Correa? They're like, yeah. And they're like, really, really, they look really comfortable where they are. You know what I mean? You just had a baby. Your family's there going to lots of events with the family. He doesn't need the money. He can score a name as price. I wonder if like he really wants to uproot himself to a whole nother city or at least like that far away from all the people that are close to him when he just had a newborn baby. I know that it sounds kind of crazy, but like when you just have a child, you want your family close. You're like, want to stay in your comfort zone with your friends. I don't know that you want to take like an infant and all of a sudden like switch and to the other side. And he's never been, he's always been with the Astros. So it's not like he's been floating around. Like I know some of these, some, some guys personally that are like, you know, they bounce from team to team to team and they always have like a, a, a home somewhere that they, they're, they're right direct spot that they they live but then they travel throughout the year it's yeah. not like that with correa. correa correa never had that so i do understand that respect that maybe he uh he doesn't sorry as i my dog is going crazy upstairs <laughs> in my room and I'm, wants to be with his maybe wants to be with his child not be so far from his child because like you're saying you could travel back and forth but yeah, yeah. 
family life. Listen, as I as we all know, happy wife, happy life. So you don't want to be too <laughs> far away. Whatever the wife wants in this scenario. But listen, if someone says, "Here's three hundred million dollars, come to New York," and no one else is offering that, it's still a very happy life. Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course, yes, money talks. Uh, listen, Amy, you gave me an hour. I yes. Oh my gosh, so that flew. The I only think- reason I gave it to you is because you let me indulge with my uh, part of my musical. Well, you it's listen, I've, I, I live with musicals in my house. My wife is a huge Broadway person. She loves Broadway. You know, we actually saw the one thing that we Hamilton's seen. on Disney. I watched that the other day. I was um, wrapping the um, the shot, uh, not giving up my shot. Yeah. If you pull up the lyrics and you try, that's a very fun song to rap along with the uh, Lin-Manuel on the on the screen. My kids were like rolling their eyes. They were like leaving the room. I was like, let me have my moment. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, my 12-year-old, uh, JD, is big into Hamilton. He sits there and raps it, too, so I understand it. Uh, two things about Broadway. First of all, did you have a chance to see Jagged Little Pill on Broadway? No, I didn't see that. Phenomenal. It oh, was really? Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, and listen, wow. it's Alanis set. It's her music. Yeah. It's just Broadway. And listen, they, they changed some things around for some of the songs, but still, very well done. It was actually wow. really good. Uh, we I went to buy, buy the album, and it was sold out, so that's how oh, good wow. it was. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it's off-Broadway now, though, unfortunately, because they had to cancel oh. so many times of the pandemic, so that kind of stunk. Yeah. But, all, but also, um, what's the guy's name who's Olaf in... Oh, I love him. Um, Josh Gad? Yes. He just put out a tweet like last week. Uh-huh. If we decided to do um, a Hamilton version of Book of Mormon on Disney Plus or whatever, like a live version of that, would anybody be interested? Did you ever see Book of Mormon? No, because it, it was like Hamilton's, like $500 a ticket. You know, yeah, it was impossible to get seats. It was sold out for months. So, no, oh, I never saw that. That That's is why. one of the I best. Was, and I never saw Hamilton in person because it was just like too much of a pain. Like you what need I mean, to, spend you, thousands of dollars on this and sit in the mezzanine. I'd rather just watch it on my couch. When same, I same thing. I mean, see, it's funny when I I was able to go see it, and it, my what my best friend was like, dude, how would you get tickets? Like that thing is expensive. Yeah, and it's always sold out. And it's like, always sold out. I somehow my wife and I found tickets very I would reasonable, love to see and that. We, we were like third row, and it was fantastic. But wow. you you have to see Book of Mormon. It is up there with one of the. I'm a little mad, Josh Gad, though, because so during the pandemic, he was doing this thing where she's reading bedtime stories on social media to uh, kids. It was so adorable. He was doing voices. <laughs> I so, did not know that. Yeah, I did not listen he, to that. He did it on like Twitter or something. So I would log on with my daughter, and she, I was like, "That's Olaf," and he would do all the voices and stuff and read just random books. And then he got, I guess, he got tired of it or something. So she really like started to like love this guy because he became like her pandemic hero a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I messaged him like, hey, Josh Gad, like, can you send my daughter a little hello video or something? I didn't get a response. So I'm like, that's I don't know, see, that's not <laughs> you got you. Have... I have a check mark. Come on. You need to do a better job. You got to hunt him down. I know. Well, I... maybe he's going to watch this and send the video. Uh, Amy, the one thing I talked to somebody the other day. In, in, he did do a great song. I am with you during the pandemic. That was a very beautiful song that was really comforting to people who were feeling isolated. And it was sung by Olaf. It was like, I am with you in this moment. I am with you in this song. It's very, very sweet. He's a, it's a very gentle character. And I, Gad is a very, for the most part, I think he's a good guy. So but he owes your daughter a video. <laughs> he probably got 3,000 requests. Maybe he needs to go on Cameo or something. He should, yeah, that that's, makes a lot of sense. He should be doing that, but he should, for you, should do pro bono. 
Thank you. I hope he sees this, this UFC podcast and changes That's right. And Josh- about Cain Velasquez. <laughs> oh my God. If he's watching this. And my, my plea for a personal video for my child. <laughs> listen, Amy, thank you so much for the time. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Uh, okay. Listen, best of you. We'll get you on again soon. Cool. Uh, we'll talk. hopefully talk about something that's not so creepy and scary as yes. Cain Velasquez. Yes, um, like, like fighter contracts and unionization. Anything that you want to plug in particular that you have got going on? Oh, just the League of Justice, which is my um, sports law platform, um, which is devoted to covering all these legal um, issues, but really how they affect the sport and the games and the players and the teams that you love. So I try to make it sports fan centric and fun and interesting and educational. So when you're reading about this stuff, it's not all doom and gloom, but you're actually like walking away feeling a little bit smarter, more educated, more informed sports fan. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you. Amy Dash, Odyssey (laughs) Insider, League of Justice. By the way, I genuinely love Newsies. Like, that's one, it's, I'm very open and honest about that. That's one of my favorite films of all time. I think it was 93 when it came out. Like, I literally rocked that movie. We rented it from, from like the video visions around the corner from me, and I would. Red, I would watch that, and we paid like late fees on it. It's, we, I don't know. You tell me if I'm wrong about this. We used to pay late fees on all these movies that we rented from like the video store. And then we'd be like, all right, you know, no more late fees. Let's just go buy the freaking thing. As soon as we buy it, we don't watch it as much. Well, Newsies was the only film that we just destroyed that. Even after we bought it, we just destroyed the videotape, the VHS. If you ask what VHS is, then you are just way too freaking young. And I'm very old. And that stinks. Um, thank you to Jorge Masvidal. Thank you to Jan Gomes. Thank you to Amy Dash. Thank you for listening. This is the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman. I have my picks that I will put out tomorrow or the day of the fight. You will see them. I'll try to give a live reaction right after the fight. I'll definitely be live tweeting it, no question. Follow me at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN on Twitter, Hoff WFAN on TikTok, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman, everywhere else, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook. You name it, I'm around there somewhere. WFAN.com, Odyssey app. Again, you've been listening. I'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to The Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 